Hi, this is Jalen for Dobbs, where tire buying is easy. At GoToDobbs.com, shop brands, sizes, pricing, and our amazing deals. With 40-plus locations, get same-day install. For tires, it's Dobbs. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This is a character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN at 701. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler, Michelle Smallman, Randy Carriker with you. And Michelle, good morning. As you woke up this morning, your St. Louis Cardinals are a half game out of the second wild card spot in the National League. Don't look now, Randy, but here come the Cardinals. Here come the Cardinals. Do you want the Cardinals to make the playoffs? Yes. That's our question of the day. I I do. And it's confusing to me because I think a lot of people who cheer for this team don't, in fact, want the Cardinals to make the playoffs because they think if they don't make the playoffs, maybe the front office or ownership will be very aggressive in the offseason. And I think a lot of people, and for a lot of legitimate reasons, aren't very confident in this team that they can make a deep postseason run based on the body of work this year. And so last night, as the Cardinals go out and get a very, very great team win, you saw really every cylinder of the team firing last night and you're feeling pretty good about their position in the standings I'm seeing a lot of people online saying oh here we go the Cardinals are going to do what they do they're Mm going to sneak into the playoffs and likely get swept in a one game playoff or then even if they win that they're going to get swept the next round this is not a good team and this is going to give the front office justification to stay course and and not do anything aggressive and I'm looking at this saying the Cardinals seem to be coming together time. A lot of things are happening positively. They're a half game out. They're going to make the playoffs. Isn't this why we watch the games? Is that uh, the team that we put all of our energy and our stock into gets to the postseason? Isn't this what we want? Throughout the course of the morning, that'll be the question we ask of you via the Rhino Shield mic drop feature. Just use your 101 ESPN app. You can send us your voice and tell us whether or not you're rooting for the Cardinals to make or miss the playoffs or you can send us a text and at the bottom of the hour we're going to talk about this 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line here on 101 ESPN. Last night, a 7 nothing win for the Cardinals. Cardinals were out in the first inning, and in the bottom of the first, Adam Wainwright allows a single to Jonathan Villar, a single to Francisco Lindor before getting Michael Conforto to ground out. A walk to Pete Alonso, a walk to Javi Baez brought Jeff McNeil to the plate, and... He struck out swinging, which was a good thing. And we'll talk about that as we go along. But the Cardinals were able to get some runs thanks to Paul Goldschmidt. In the third inning, they doubled a 1-0 lead. Goldschmidt with a drive. Left field at the wall. Gone! Goldschmidt, home run number 25. He's driven in two. And the Cardinals have a 3-0 lead. That one actually came in the fifth inning for Goldie. And the Cardinals did have the 3-0 lead heading into the top of the ninth when Nolan Arenado provided some insurance. The 1-0. Arenado 
Into shallow right, may drop, and it does. A run will score. Everybody's safe, and the Cardinals have extended their lead 4-0. Cardinals scored three more, led 7-0. Were able to get out of the bottom of the ninth inning without any run scoring. And Michelle, they win game one of this series. And we talked about that first inning for Adam Wainwright and about getting out of that jam with the strikeout of McNeil. Well, I like nostalgia, and I felt like, you know, all the Mets fans wanted to see me in that bases loaded situation. I felt like they wanted to see me throw two curveballs and a changeup and, you know, get them out. I, I just felt like that was what the Mets fans wanted to see. And so, I, you know, I gave the people what they wanted. Hopefully they gave out aloe as part of the giveaway at the ballpark so that Mets fans can deal with that Adam Wainwright burn. <laughs> That's what that's what's called a zinger in the industry. <laughs> Bam. <laughs> not only do they get the win, but Adam Wainwright reminds you of the past. Bam. Not good Mets fans. But Randy, we got contributions from everybody last mm-hmm. night on this team. This was a really great effort in totality from from the entire team. But down the stretch here, this is when your best players are stepping up. This is when Adam Wainwright continues to do what he do, does. Yadier Molina with a three hit night. Paul Goldschmidt, Nolan Arenado. When September comes around and you're in a playoff hunt, your best players rise to the occasion, and that's what we're seeing right now with the Cardinals. And for Wayno, he talked last game about he thought thought it was a must-win situation for him. And last night, did this feel like playoff atmosphere? It did a little bit. Um, I mean, all these games, all these games are just so important. It feels like a playoff game because we we got to win all of them. I think you know, and we have to have that intent that we'll go out and win all these games. We can't have any. Any slip-ups the rest of the way, we, we've got to go out and, and, and play really good baseball down the stretch against a lot of very good teams. A lot of teams that are in the hunt or, or already in the playoffs we're going to face. And so we got to bring our best every night, no doubt about it, just like a playoff series. So Wayno gives you six shutout innings. He allows four hits, strikes out four, walks three. The incredible T.J. McFarland with another scoreless inning for the Cardinals. He's been unbelievable. How, what about that pickup? Where did he come from? Nowhere. Right. It got reminds, Double magic. I don't want to say this because the compare. I don't want to give this comparison, but it reminds me a little bit of 2011 when Mo went out and acquired some mm-hmm. bullpen pieces. Rebuilt the bullpen. Rebuilt the bu- bullpen. And a lot of people at the time were saying, what? Who? Huh? And Octavio Dotel, Mark Zipchinski, a lot of those guys that Mo went out and acquired were huge pieces. They, they're right. part of the huge reason that the Cardinals won the World Series. And again, I'm not comparing the teams. I'm comparing the moves. The Cardinals also got a scoreless inning out of Alex Reyes. He did allow a hit, but he struck out the side for Mike Schilt. Alex has been great, all-star performer, so I don't think it's, you know, but he's been good lately. So, you know, he's got great stuff, and, you know, Lindor worked a walk to start off the inning, and, you know, we're holding the runner, and I think it was a change-up. Conferto got out in front a little bit, sort of first and third, and you're at the heart of the order, to your point, Erica, and, um, you know, just took a step back and said, I, I got this. You know, he made some really, really quality pitches. Um, bore down, made some quality pitches to – you know, like you said, the heart of their lineup and was able to go uh, one, two, three with three punch outs to, to end the threat. And of course, we added on from there. And so the Cardinals are just a half game out of the wild card spot. Michelle, one month ago on August 15th, the Reds led for the second wild card with a record of 75 and 69. Since then, in the last month, they've gone 11 and 14. The Padres were second. They were a half game behind the Reds. They've gone 7-16 and 16 since. 
Philadelphia was 72 and 71. They've gone 11 and 14. This was on August 15th. The Mets were 72 and 73. They've gone 12 and 15. Your St. Louis Cardinals were uh, at that time. I'm sorry, I'm given the wrong records here. The Cardinals on August 15th were 61 and 56. They've gone 13 and 13. So since August 15th, Reds 11 and 14. Padres 7 and 16, Phillies 11 and 14, Mets 12 and 15, Cardinals 13 and 13. So they have moved from being four and a half out of the wild card to a half game out from the wild card just by playing 500 ball. So by being the actual definition of mediocre, the Cardinals could, could back into a playoff spot because no one else seems to want to win it. No, no. And we've seen it before. The Cardinals had a terrible September, especially stretch run and were not really favored in 2006. They only won 83 games that year, and they figured it out come playoff time. Now, that was, like you said, that was a better team. Both of those teams were more talented than this team is, but the fact of the matter is, in baseball, you never can tell. Would I pick the Cardinals? No, but... (laughs) Who picked them in 2011? Nobody picked them in 2011. And by the way, what a disaster the San Diego Padres have become. They get drilled by the Giants last night, 9-1. to The Giants clinch a playoff spot with their victory. You Darvish started for the Padres. He went four innings. He allowed eight runs, including five in the first. Wow. He walked three, allowed six hits, and allowed four home runs. And our old buddy Dominic Leone started the bullpen game for the Giants and reduced his ERA to 1.41. Oof. All right, Dominic. Um, For the Padres, I wonder how their fan base feels. Mm, Man. Because Cardinals fans complain they don't think that the front office or ownership has been aggressive enough. I don't think Padres fans were saying that at all this year. I think that they were pretty pleased with the aggressiveness that they saw out of their team in their front office. Now, come trade deadline time, I think they thought they were going to get Max Scherzer, which mm-hmm. could have made all the difference in the world. That didn't happen. But they went for it. You can't say that they that they didn't go for it, and here they are. And the Cardinals <laughs> seem to be in a much better position than them right now, even though they're comparable in the standings. I think most people would look at the Cardinals and the Padres and have more confidence in the mm-hmm. Cardinals right now. So the Cardinals and Mets play again tonight. 6-10, Jake Woodford will go for the Redbirds. He'll be opposed by Marcus Stroman, who's 9-12 and with a 2.87. He's pitched really well for the Mets. And then tomorrow, another night game. 6-10, Lester for the Cards. And Tyler McGill will go for the Mets. The Raiders knocked off the Ravens last night, Michelle, uh, in overtime, and it was crazy. It was wild. Here's what happened. Overtime, the Ravens have the ball. They give it up. So the Raiders get it, and Derek Carr leads the Vegas squad. I almost said Oakland, but he led Vegas to what appeared to be a winning touchdown, a 33-yard touchdown pass to Brian Edwards. I'm watching the Peyton and Eli Manning broadcast, mm-hmm. and I see the touchdown score and the celebration, and I go right to bed. I'm watching upstairs, and I just get up, walk 10 steps to my bed, and I'm I'm in bed. I wake up this morning and find out <laughs> that that touchdown had been overturned. The Ravens were able to stop 
the Raiders down at the one-yard line. A false start penalty didn't hurt. An interception into the end zone. Ravens get the ball back, have to punt it away, and the Raiders had to come back and score again to win the game in overtime, 33-27. Uh, post-game John Gruden, Raiders head coach, mm-hmm. said, I felt like I died and woke up and died again. I was like a cat. I had multiple <laughs> lives tonight. <laughs> it, was, it was unbelievable. It was a fun game, but I didn't see the end of it. And by the way, I loved the Peyton and Eli broadcast, and I thought Eli was better than Peyton. Um, the pieces of it that I saw, I thought it was entertaining, too. And I don't know how how many people were actually locked into the regular broadcast, because I mm-hmm. think the, the Manning broadcast had a lot of special guests, a lot of big-name guests, and just the curiosity factor. A lot of people wanted to see what it would be like watching a game with the Mannings. And there was a, the parts that I saw, a lot of X's and O's, a lot of deep right. diving on football with Peyton Manning. And Peyton's trying to do the X's and O's, and Eli is having fun telling about how Peyton had the fans in Indianapolis trained to never make a sound, that you couldn't even order a beer while Peyton was, <laughs> was running the offense because you'd get fined because Peyton had to be able to run his place. And the wide receivers could hear him if he whispered. <laughs> but they had Barkley, Charles Barkley in the first quarter, Ray Lewis in the second quarter, Travis Kelsey in the third, and then Russell Wilson in the fourth. And he stuck around for overtime, so they have a guest each quarter. It was, it was a pretty fun broadcast. I just think Peyton needs to lighten up and back off the hardcore X's and O's. I did see him wear a helmet that didn't fit, so he at least had a little <laughs> bit of fun and poked yeah. a little bit of fun yeah. at himself, which was great. And I'm bummed out that USC isn't a football power anymore. Yesterday, after their second game, a uh, loss to Stanford, 42-28 Saturday, they fired their head coach, Clay Helton. Mm-hmm. They need to go and get somebody established. They need to, and maybe Urban Meyer will wind up being the guy. Maybe he'll be one and done with the Jaguars. But USC, for the good of the Pac-12, and I think for the good of college football, they need to be good. And they haven't been good for a long time now. If I was USC, I would get a massive check and I would go to Luke Fickle at Cincinnati and I would say, you fill this out. What do you what do you want to come here? Mike Bone, their athletic director, came from Cincinnati, hired Fickle right. at Cincinnati. If you're going to spend unlimited funds, if you're USC, don't you go down the street to Sean McVay first? Yeah, but do you really? Th- sure, you could try. I mean, we've heard some things about Sean McVay and the Rams, right? We did. We did when we were in Canton. But I don't think that at this point in the season, Sean McVay is not going to. No, you don't do it now. But when your season is over and you're ready to hire a coach the day after your season ends, then you go to McVay and say, hey, we just want to make sure that you're our guy so that he can say, I will not be the head coach at USC. Like Nick Saban famously said, I will not be the head coach at Alabama. Even if they offered him a ton of money and all of the the power that he wanted, if he was definitely going to be the head of the snake and everything ran through him, I still don't know if that's more appealing to him, even if there's behind-the-scenes dysfunction in any way, shape, or form with the Rams, than leaving the Rams. And I don't think he's going to get fired with the Rams. So I, I don't I don't see that happening. And I also don't see Urban Meyer leaving this early with Jacksonville because he is the head of the snake. Everything's running through him. He has all the power. He has Trevor Lawrence. No matter what happens this season, I think that he's going to want to at least give it a few years. And they're certainly going to give him the runway to do so. You would think so. But it depends on what he thinks and whether he thinks that he can handle it physically, right? Because USC has more pressure than... The, the Jacksonville Jaguars. So let me just throw some other names out there for you. In addition to, uh, obviously, the ones that are at the top of the list. And I don't think there's any doubt that this move was made with the idea that Luke Fickle would be their guy. James Franklin, Penn State. Thumbs up or thumbs down? I'm intrigued. 
Matt Campbell, Iowa State. I'm certainly intrigued. Uh, Bill O'Brien, offensive coordinator, Alabama. I'm less intrigued. P.J. Fleck, Minnesota. Row the boat. I'm in. There you go. Mario Cristobal, Oregon. That, especially coming off... Mm, yeah, okay, I'm intri- I'm intrigued, but I don't know. I'm not 100% sold. Greg Schiano, Rutgers. No, pass. They're totally. A USC that'll never no, fly. No, And Tony Elliott, a former offensive coordinator at Clemson. Not, not enough sizzle for me there. And two other ones that apparently want to get back in for the right job. Chris Peterson, former Boise State head coach. Had a lot of success there. And Bob Stoops. Who's only 50, he's younger than I am, I think. He's 58, 59. I don't, I don't know if, if the Bob Stoops personality would be the right fit for USC. But maybe they need to deviate. They, they passed on Ed Orgeron and didn't think that he was going to mm-hmm. be a right fit culture-wise and personality-wise. And, and, and granted, he is the personification of LSU football. He ended up where he needed to be. Um, but I think they, they need to not think linear. I think they need to think outside the box because the Lane Kiffin, the Steve Sarkeesian, the we're going to hire from the same tree mm-hmm. process hasn't worked out for them. You need to hire somebody that has winning head coaching experience. I, I believe, and I think you do too, that Fickle is the natural for that job because for sure. Mike Bone and he know each other and Bone hired him. They're the AUSC hired the head coach at Cincinnati. That's Michelle. I'm Randy. We're off and running here on 101 ESPN. Coming up, get your text into the Air Comfort Service. Text line 65780. A little game of what's better. Coming up on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. You can join Michelle at the CarX Tire and Auto location in Baldwin Friday from 2 to 4. It's a CarX 50th anniversary celebration with tons of great specials, including free hot dogs, hamburgers, and soda. So free food on Friday from 2 to 4 at the CarX in Baldwin. You can stop in, get $15 off an oil change voucher. You can get a $15 off oil change voucher that can be used anytime between now and the end of the year. All happening Friday from 2 to 4 with Michelle at the CarX in Baldwin. It's going to be fun. Don't worry. Call the CarX, man. That's right. Uh, Michelle, last night when Russell Wilson was on in the fourth quarter with uh, Peyton and Eli Manning, his wife, Ciara, or is it Sierra? Sierra. I Sierra think. was not home. She was at uh, the, the Met Gala. True. Met Gala. I saw her outfit. Wearing yeah. a number three lime green Russell kind of uh, gown. Well, it was decorated too. What? What, what do we call that? Sequined? Embo- sequined, yeah, something like that. Uh, so, Embellished. So, Emily and Michelle, I ask you, what's better, being home with Russell or at the Met Gala? Oh, it's at the Met Gala. Okay. It's the most exclusive event maybe out there. This is That's more exclusive than the Oscars. It's more exclusive than anything. So the fact that she got that invite, and what's she going to do when Russ is on with the Manning? She's just a, yeah. sit next to him, Hang sit, out, yeah. sit in the other room, eat popcorn, watch the game. No, she's out there doing her own thing. I'd have to agree. Going to the Met Gala for people watching, if anything. You see those outfits? Yeah. They're wild. They are really wild. Okay, just wanted to check in. I know that you were locked into the Met Gala as it was unfolding last Clearly, night. Clearly, <laughs> I was locked into Peyton and Eli with Russell. Did you see she was wearing his Super Bowl ring, too? Oh, I didn't notice that, no. Yeah. 
Hmm. It's great. I didn't see that, but that's cool. Hey, she loves her man. She's just supporting. <laughs> Your text, 65780. And Emily, what do we have? From the 636, what's better, firing a single employee or the whole team coming in over budget? <laughs> uh, let's see. Having never been a boss, I would guess that the, for me, the worst, the better thing would be having the whole team come in over budget. Me too. I, I would hate probably more than anything else firing somebody. I don't think I could fire somebody. Yeah, I'm with you. I think I would start to have that conversation, and then if there was any pushback at all, I'd be like, okay, okay, just, we're good here, we're good, forget it. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Forget what I said. Yeah. Good talk. Yeah, go to your desk. <laughs> have a great day. From the 314, what's better, baggy loose sweatpants or baggy loose hoodies? Sweatpants, right? Yeah, it is, but it's close. Baggy loose hoodies are pretty comfortable. Yeah, but I'm thinking sweatpants, you can eat more. Yeah. You're lounging on the couch. Right. It allows you, you're, you don't feel restricted. Yeah. Sweatpants. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I would rather have a tighter fitting hoodie than tight sweatpants. Oh, yeah. You don't want, that's a great point. Yeah. If you take it to the other end of the spectrum, there's no way that tight sweatpants are cool under any circumstances. No. And they can't, the whole point of wearing sweatpants is to, to be, be comfortable. comfortable. Yeah. And if they're tight, you're, you're not no. comfortable. From the 636, what's better, the return of the Red Wings or the return of the Astros to their respective division? Ooh, I would I would go with the Red Wings because we had Punch a Red Wing fan in the face day here back in the Fastlane days. I remember. When we hated the Red Wings because they were in the other conference. Never had that hatred build up for the Astros. Can we do punch a Red Wing fan in the face day in 2021? No, I think that that would get you canceled. Yeah, that's canceled. Can't do that. No. We can't do it, but I'm not saying that you can't do it. <laughs> Randy, we're w- lovers, not fighters. Wink, wink. We love everyone here. Yeah. Thing is, the Red Wings fans don't show up anymore. Ooh. Sorry. Is that true? Yeah. Yeah, they used to take over the building. Not what so do, much anymore. What are they, too busy watching Lions games? That must be it. <laughs> By the way, did you see apparently that the Lions did uh, take a couple of bites out of 49ers' knees yeah. while they were getting up? And just Jason, kept coming. Yep, Jason Verrett, their cornerback out for the year with a, an ACL apparently bitten. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Dan Campbell winning got hired today. When we get up from the ground, we're going to bite people's knees. And they did. From the 757, what's better? Sunday at the Masters with Tiger on the prowl or Sunday at the Ryder Cup with the U.S. down and making a charge? Oh, I'm, you got to go, at least for me, with Tiger and the Agreed. Masters. I agree. That is the most compelling. That is probably on the Mount Rushmore of compelling sports moments for me. Mm-hmm. I agree with that. And taking nothing away from the Ryder Cup, if the U.S. is making a charge and has a chance to win, it's really high drama. But there's nothing like really anything in golf like Tiger on the back nine in the hunt or leading at the Masters. From the 314, what's better, a wild card game or a wild card series? I would say wild card series. I would, I would prefer that that be a best of three. Yeah, I'm with you. Give me more games. Last year was cool, wasn't it? Yeah. And that's what, what we had. We didn't have any of those stupid one well, gamers. It wasn't that cool. Well, I mean the overall, <laughs> not for the Cardinals, obviously. It wasn't that but, cool. But the, but the idea of it was better, I think. I know what I you're saying. Point, but <laughs> if you know you're gonna lose, it's just We won a game, right? Did we win a game? 
Didn't the series go three? I can't remember. I just remember feeling completely overmatched. Yeah. I think, it, I think it went three. Junior. Yeah, and, and I just mentally blocked it out. That's nothing wrong with that. From the 314, what's better, the Texans winning without Watson or the Packers losing with Rodgers? Oh, the Texans winning without Watson. Yeah, I don't. I want the Packers to win. Me too. And they'll be fine. I, I have a friend in Green Bay, and I texted him yesterday the uh, a, a, a screenshot of the uh, Rams 2008 opener. They lost 38 to three in Philly. They did. <laughs> yeah, I said, "How'd you like that?" Wow. Because <laughs> he was here then. Oh, cool. So, one more? Yeah, I got one more we can get to. From the 314, what's better? When you got Albert coming up with game on the line, or when you got Brady with two minutes left in the game on the line? Albert. 100% of the time. Why? Because you like him more? And I like the Cardinals more. Brady spent 19 of his 20 years with the Patriots. I didn't want him having the ball with two minutes. Who do you, if you if you had to put money down and you were, you're a betting man, who would you have more confidence in? Probably Brady. Me too. Which is is just illustrating how unbelievable he is because I don't know if in my lifetime, if I have seen someone that I've watched game in and game out rise to the occasion more than Albert Pujols. Mm-hmm. But that just shows you how unbelievable Tom Brady yeah. has been. Amazing. Thanks, Emily. Thank you. And thanks for your text to the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. Okay, so the Cardinals are a half game out of the wild card spot, and things are looking positive for them right now. But is that positive for you? Would you rather have the Cardinals make the playoffs or miss the playoffs? We want to hear from you next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Michelle, do you know what happened on this date in 1990? Tell me. Ken Griffey Sr. and Ken Griffey Jr. hit home runs in the same game. Father and son hit home runs in the same Major League Baseball game for the Seattle Mariners. Unbelievable. Isn't that incredible? It'll never happen again, will it? Probably not, no. Wouldn't think so. I miss watching Ken Griffey Jr. play. He was fun to watch play. The Cardinals are surging towards a playoff spot. They've gone 13 and 13 since August 15th, and they've moved to within a half game of a wild card. And Michelle, one thing that I know to be unequivocally true, this is a baseball axiom that is unquestioned. And I know this, and it's been in place since the history of baseball, and it always will be in place in baseball. I've been around, you know. I know this. You cannot win the World Series unless you make the playoffs. Wow. Let that settle in, folks. So, yes, I always want to make the playoffs. I always want my team to make the playoffs. Now, you might believe that the Cardinals would be better off for some reason to miss the playoffs, and that's why we want to hear from you. You can use our Rhino Shield mic drop with the 101 ESPN app. You can also feel free to send us a text, 65780. But we want to know from you today, the Cardinals have a couple of weeks left in this season. They have 19 games left in the season. Would you prefer that they make the playoffs or for 
whatever your specific reason might be, would you prefer that they not make the playoffs? This probably won't surprise you, but we're getting a lot of split responses. Mm-hmm. Would you like to go positive or negative first? Uh, let's go negative. Okay, from the 314, I think this Cardinals team should miss the playoffs. Making the playoffs promotes complacency with management and rewards mediocrity at best. That might be the case. I kind of have the feeling, though, in talking to this ownership for 20 years, that they don't really look at a one-year or a one-month slice of time and determine their next year's moves based on that. What the Cardinals are going to do for 2022, they already have a pretty good idea of what their budget is going to be and how they're going to go about trying to improve this team. If we think that if the Cardinals miss the playoffs, they're magically going to increase their budget to $200 million for payroll, that's not going to happen. Well, the Cardinals made the playoffs last season, despite everything they Mm -hmm. dealt with, and front office and and ownership went out and got Nolan Arenado. Right. And that's another reason that I like to see them make the playoffs. The reason that Arenado and Goldschmidt are here is because they wanted to make the playoffs. Because they feel like, rather than Arizona or rather than Colorado, if they go to St. Louis, they have a chance every year. And Goldschmidt, if the Cardinals do make the playoffs, will have been in the playoffs each of his three years with the Cardinals. And I want the Cardinals to make the playoffs in addition to what you said, because I want Adam Wainwright and Yadier Molina to be in the postseason. And, and nothing against Yadier, but particularly Adam Wainwright, what he's been able to, to do this season, I want him on the postseason stage. And I and he goes in tandem with Yadier. And I, you know that you likely only have a year left of this. Yadier said it's going to be his last season. I would imagine Adam Wainwright might not play after next season as well. So why wouldn't you want to see those two Cardinal greats get every opportunity they can to go after another World Series? And as you said, Randy, that starts with making the playoffs. Our friend Ben Fredrickson uh, just had a tweet. Let me get to it here. Over the course of the last two years, since the start of 2020, Adam Wainwright has a 2.95 earned run average. He's tied for first in Major League Baseball and wins with 21 and tied for second in both innings pitched and quality starts. Think about that. Adam Wainwright at the ages of 39 and 40 over the last two years, a 2.95 earned run average, tied for first in Major League Baseball and wins, tied for second in innings and quality starts. Pretty impressive. Hall of Fame? No, not yet. I keep thinking about that whenever I watch him pitch. I would love for so. I, I wish that they could do it the way the Pro Football Hall of Fame does, where someone goes up there and pitches the case, because I think that you could have somebody make a very strong case for Adam Wainwright. I think Adam Wainwright essentially missing three full seasons will probably keep him out of the Hall of Fame. In 2008, he only made 20 starts, but then in 11, he missed the season. In 15, he only made seven starts, and in 18, he only made eight starts. I would think that missing essentially, let's see, 20, 50, uh, he missed 80 starts. 90 starts because of injury. I, w- I would think that the fact that he's he's got 183 wins, so he wins, uh, gets to 200 next year. Maybe. He's not going to have a ton of strikeouts at the end of his career. But if he gets to 200 wins, that's something that the Hall of Fame voters will have to take a look at. And especially because he's done it, let's see, he has played for one team with a losing record, I believe, in his career. Wow. Pretty good. Pretty good. From the 757, you play to win the game. Hello, playoffs all day. Come on, people. 
Well done, Herm. Thank you, Herm, for streaming us and for listening. From the 636, as a fan, of course I want the Cardinals to make the playoffs. It can only improve their chances of bringing in a real impact-free agent bat. Yeah, making the playoffs consistently is what players are looking for. And players are realistic enough to know that there's only one Dodgers and there's only one Yankees. And the Yankees, by the way, are in worse shape in terms of the playoffs right now than the Cardinals are. But in terms of having the ability to win and making a ton of money. I mean, look at Jason Hayward. Jason Hayward thought that he was going to go and play for a winner for his entire career with the Cubs, right? right. And he's got two years left and he's not making the playoffs in the next two years. At least if you come to the Cardinals, you know you have a chance to make the playoffs, which by extension gives you a chance to make it to the World Series. To play meaningful baseball. Mm -hmm. From the 217, the Cardinals are not heating up at the right time, so I'd like them to miss the playoffs. In the last 10 games, they're 5-5, five and five, exactly what they've been all year, a 500 team. But nobody else is doing anything either, and they're 13-13 13 and 13 in their last 26. So you are not wrong about that, but everybody, this is not a great league this year. The Reds, 11 and 14. The Padres, 7 and 16 since August 15th. Cardinals, 13 and 13. Phillies, 11 and 14. And Mets, 12 and 15. And just get into the dance. Take your chances. It doesn't really matter what the circumstances are around you or what's happening. All you need is to get in. Yep. Like the 314. This is John in Bell Vegas. Shout out to Bell Vegas. If 2006 and 2011 taught the Cardinals fans anything, is that all you need is a ticket to the dance. I want them to make the playoffs. Let's get a mic drop here from our friend Lisa on 101 ESPN. Morning, guys. So I love the question. Of course, I, I want them to win. I want them to make the playoffs. It would be against my DNA for me not to want that. It, my grandpa would roll over in his grave. However, I just want them to not use that as an excuse. I want us to be better. I want our offense fixed. I remember being at that game in 2019 when Wainwright in the playoffs pitched his tail off and they couldn't score a run. It's just, I want the offense fixed. But on a good note, Mike Schilt did not irritate me last night. All right, have a good day, all <laughs> Thanks, Lisa. That's good to hear. Lisa's having a great day. Yeah. I do believe that you can have both, that the Cardinals can make the postseason as they did last year and got Arenado and try to improve yourself by getting another player. I, I think that how often do the Cardinals, let's put it this way, how often do the Cardinals win and not do something afterwards, whether it's out of necessity. In 2011, they go out and they get Carlos Beltran. After the 2006 season, they made changes to that team. Mm-hmm. Some Whitey Herzog did it almost every time, every time that he was in the World Series. He made a big move to try to get better. I, I don't think that good organizations, and I believe this is a good organization, stand pat. I don't think anybody does that. The blueprint should be the same, whether they make or miss the, the playoffs. Right. You have one year left of Adam Wayne right in the out of your Molina. You have a very finite window to win. You have a very finite window with Nolan Arenado and Paul Goldschmidt to win. Jack Flaherty, how? What do you? What's going to happen with Jack Flaherty? We could go on and on. They have assembled a team to win. And if you're paying guys like Goldie, you're paying Wayno, you're paying Yachty, you're paying Arenado, certainly. You don't know how much you're going to have to pay Jack Flaherty. You go for it when you have a team like this assembled. And the Cardinals this season have played seven games against the Dodgers. They're three and four. So the Dodgers, the Cardinals are capable of beating them. I wouldn't pick them in a playoff series. But I think the Cardinals do. If they would somehow get to the playoffs and beat the Dodgers, 
I'd feel actually pretty good about a series against the Giants. The Cardinals are four and two against the Giants. They won two out of three out there, two out of three here. You go out there, you split, then you come home, and Michelle is wearing her red jeans. That's right. And it's then over. all bets are off. Then the series is essentially over. You're wearing yours too. Oh yeah, there's no doubt no about doubt. it. And if we need to pull anything else, what's one of the pillars of this show? All roads lead All to hardware. roads lead to hardware. So right. we would find a way. We would find a way. From the 618, Randy, 2006 and 2011 were net negatives. The Cardinals no longer try to build dominant teams. They build mediocre teams. I don't want them making the playoffs. So winning the World Series was a net negative. Twice. <laughs> Okay, got it, got it. But this is why I wanted to pose this question today. I'm sure on its surface it sounds crazy asking, do you want your the team you love to make the playoffs? But you would not believe how many messages we're getting saying, no, I don't want them to be rewarded for being mediocre, which is why we asked the question. We're trying to get a pulse of the BLIS. So you win the world championship twice. You, you're playing when nobody else is playing. You win the last game of the season. Season, something that 29 other franchises are dying to do. And some of them, look how long the Dodgers played before they won a World Series. They, they won, haven't they won? I think they've been to the playoffs eight years in a row and finally won the last game last year. The Yankees haven't won a World Series since 2009. Teams are, are dying to win that last game. And you're saying that that was a negative? Twice. <laughs> Unbelievable. Twice. We're going to uh, do this throughout the course of the day. Coming up next on 101 ESPN, get your text in to 65780. Take it or leave it. Coming up on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. <laughs> We invite your text to the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. Michelle Smallman, Randy Carricker with you. And coming up next, we're going to talk to uh, Britt Giroli of The Athletic. She has a great piece up about Yadier Molina, so we want to talk to her about that. But we invite you first. Michelle, let's get things going, though, with Take It or Leave It. Yesterday, the USC Trojans firing their head coach, uh, Clay Helton. Mike Bone announcing that USC has higher expectations than he thought Helton could deliver. Take it or leave it. In the next five years, USC plays in the college football playoff, a four-team college football playoff. In five years? Yes. That's a good timeline because you would imagine... Well, does that include this this season we're counting as no, year No, I'm going to say after they okay. hire their new coach. Okay, that's fair. I'm going to leave it. I'm going to leave it because I don't think it's that simple. And USC has been trying to find the right guy Mm -hmm. and trying to find somebody to build them back to prominence for quite some time. And every time they do it, whether it's Lane Kiffin or Steve Sarkeesian, we think that they've gotten the right guy. And uh, Jim Harbaugh, I think, was a universally approved hire for Michigan, Mm -hmm. and they haven't been in the playoff. Texas has been trying to get back. Look at Florida State. It's not that easy to return to prominence, and I think it's going to take longer than five years for USC, so I'm going to leave it. I don't know if they're putting their money where their mouth is, but Mike Bone, the athletic director, said in his statement yesterday, as I committed to upon my arrival at USC, during the past two off-seasons, we provided every resource necessary for our football program to compete for championships. The added resources carried significantly increased expectations for 
for our team's performance, and it is already evident that despite the enhancements, those expectations would not be met without a change in leadership. If USC is finally going to provide the resources, I'm going to take it. Pete Carroll did not have great resources. When Pete Carroll came in, they had to give more money to the assistants because assistants couldn't afford to live close to the campus in L.A. It took them an hour and a half drive to get to campus. Apparently, their staff is being paid a lot of money. Their facilities are being improved. So I'm going to take it. I'm going to say that they find the right guy. Five years from now. Yes. You're going to spin the wheel. Okay. When they're not in the playoff in five years. Okay. We'll have to write this down. Because Nick Saban will likely still be coaching, right? Yeah, he's 69. He's got a seven-year contract, I think. I don't know if Dabo's going anywhere. So Clemson might still be in the mix. Yeah. So there's two spots. I think Ryan Day will just continue to have things rolling at Ohio State, despite the result this past weekend. Um, who knows about Oklahoma? Texas is trying to get back in the mix. What if USC gets Lincoln Riley? Mm. I still hope they get Luke Fickle. I think that he would be an unbelievable hire for them. Yeah. I think he's a great coach. I do, too. All right, Randy. So we talked a lot yesterday about the Saints absolutely stomping the Packers 38 to 3. But take it or leave it. Everybody needs to R-E-L-A-X relax on the Green Bay Packers and Aaron Rodgers. I will take the Aaron Rodgers part, but... Their new defensive coordinator was the defensive coordinator for the 0-16 Detroit Lions. The two years he was their coordinator in Detroit, Joe Barry's teams finished 32nd in points allowed twice. He was the defensive coordinator in Washington, and they were in the bottom half of the league. And I I said yesterday, he's a, a poor product of Sean McVay's tree. I don't think this guy's a good defensive coordinator, and I don't think their defense will be good all season long. I I believe that the 38 points allowed is not an aberration that they will probably allow a lot of points this season more than even Aaron Rodgers can score. So you don't think they're going to be good. So No, I think they're they're in the right division, but they're probably a 9 and 7 type team. Gosh, can you imagine being a part of that Lions team and still being able to get a job it's somewhere? Amazing. It's incredible. The NFL loves to recycle. Yeah, they do. Emily, what do we have? From the 573, take it or leave it. The Blues will have a point per point per game player this year. I'm going to leave it. Yeah, I'm going to leave that too. 82 points. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't see it. For a couple of reasons. Number one, I don't think they'll have, they'll have a guy that gets that much time. And they just aren't prolific offensively. They, it's been a long time since the Blues have had a point-a-game guy. Well, are, didn't, No, didn't Perron get a point-a-game last year? He did, I think. Are we just completely dismissing the fact that Vladimir Tarasenko is going to come out with the skates on fire and have something to prove and likely light it up? Yeah, but then he's going to get traded. Okay, cool, cool. From the 636, take it or leave it, Max Scherzer will finish his career with over 4,000 strikeouts. Ooh, man. That'd be two. So that'd be five more years. I was just going to try to do that, Matt. Yeah. Of, five uh, more years? He's of what, 200 30? strikeouts. He's what, 37? Yeah. I'm going to leave it. I'm going to leave that, too. And we'll get to one more real quick. Okay. Take it or leave it from the 618. Michelle would do a shoey if she was on stage with Daniel Ricardo. Is that where he drinks the champagne out of his shoe? Correct. If I'm on the podium with Danny after a victory, you better believe it. That's my guy. Oh, that's the F1 guy? Yeah. Okay. We, we need to get you into F1. Yeah, I got too much stuff going on. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm busy. No thanks. <laughs> we got to wash my hair. <laughs> okay. Thanks, Emily. I Thank lost you. your number now. <laughs>
You should watch the show on Netflix. Okay, I'll it's find very it. entertaining. Okay, I, I will. You'll find love it. Daniel Ricardo too. He's the star of the show. Okay, he's got I'll, a great personality. I'll check it out. Uh, Emily has turned me on to a Netflix show too. So you guys are just loading me up here. Oh yeah, what's the one, Emily? Clickbait. Clickbait. Yeah. She told me about this yesterday. Everyone yeah. watch Clickbait on Netflix. Very good. Okay, then we'll have a review. We'll have a, a team review. Character Smallman, team character and Smallman. Uh, call, how about Character Smallman Nation review? We'll we'll have everybody weigh in. Is it safe for radio? It will be. We'll make it safe. We'll clean it up. Some of it. <laughs> Britt Giroli from The Athletic has a great piece up about Yadier Molina and also a great piece about Max Scherzer. Joins us next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. <laughs> 02 in St. Louis. Your time check brought to you by Jewelers and officially licensed Rolex jeweler. And we head now to the Brown and Crouppen celebrity line. And Britt Giroli from The Athletic was in town last week and put together a couple of great pieces on Yadier Molina and Max Scherzer. And Britt joins us now on 101 ESPN. Britt, thanks so much for the time this morning. How are you doing? I'm doing well. I'm doing well just getting back from uh, L.A. So it's been a, a great week of watching baseball. It's been amazing. And the Cardinal-Dodger series was a lot of fun. And uh, you got a chance to visit with Yachty and be around the Cardinal players. And uh, it's interesting that uh, w- because Michelle and I were talking a couple of weeks ago about how Yachty has literally been around for people's entire lives. I have a 23-year-old daughter, and she doesn't remember baseball without Yachty or Molina behind the plate for the Cardinals. And at some point, this is going to end, but it's it's glorious to see right now, isn't it? It is, and, and I'm glad you, you brought that up because I, I don't think people realize how one how impressive his his career truly is, and how it stacks up, and two how rare it is for a guy playing the most physically demanding position in baseball to be able to go out on his own terms. Um, I can't think of many other catchers who are going to be able to hang it up before the game passes them by. And you look at a guy like Molina, he's still playing at a high level. This isn't like a let's run him out there because he's a, you know, a cardinal great. No, he's helping this team win. And this team very quietly here is now very much in the thick of the NL wild card race. Britt, one thing I loved about your piece was talking about the pain that Yadier Molina deals with every day because we always talk about how many times Yadier has probably squatted in his career. We talk about what his knees may feel like, but Yadier doesn't really share that freely. He doesn't ever complain. He doesn't really talk about the pain that he might be playing with day in and day out. So for him to talk to you about playing with pain, I thought it was really interesting that not only is he dealing with with that from a physical standpoint, but just the mental toll that it takes on him every day to try to push that pain out of his brain and be out there uh, and be able to go out there and perform. Yeah, I I was glad that he kind of opened up a little bit and and talked about, like you said, the the mental component, because Mike Schultz mentioned um, earlier that day that this is a mental thing. Physically, he's in a lot of pain all the time. Physically, I don't think most of us can fathom how he feels most mornings when he wakes up. But what makes him so unique, what makes him so great, is the fact that he is taking all of that and and putting it and locking it away in his brain somewhere and just thinking about how do I win today? How do I help this team win? And focusing so much on that that the rest of the stuff just kind of gets shoved aside. And I think if nothing else, you look at a guy like Yadier Molina and the mental toughness to be able to do that is just truly remarkable. Britt, what do you think the respect level, because of what we're talking about, is for Yadi around the game, outside of the, the Cardinal clubhouse and the Cardinal realm? I would hope, and, and I said this in my column, that people in other baseball cities 
respect what he's done and they treat him as such next year. I would hope that he does get a little bit of the retirement tour we've seen with you know, the Derek Jeters and the Mariano Rivera's and, and Daniel Ortiz. You know, a guy who we all know is very likely going into the Hall of Fame would get that same appreciation because he has played nearly 20 years, as I mentioned, at catcher, going out when he's still productive in this game. I would hope that people recognize that. And I think fans of other teams love to hate him. Right? They always love to hate really good players, really competitive, fiery players on a team that's not a team you root for. Uh, but I think at the end of the day, are we going to see another catcher like him in our lifetime? Maybe not. And I hope that other teams uh, and also other fan bases, probably more importantly, because I think players have that mutual respect in other dugouts for how hard it is to do what he's doing. I would hope that other fan groups next year really you know, give him that round of applause, that salute, because he very much deserves it. Britt, you mentioned in your piece that your late father was a diehard Cardinals fan and that he used to point to the TV when Yachty was playing and say, that's who you want to play like. And one thing that I keep thinking about and savoring with the remainder of Yachty or Molina's career here is that not only when he's not playing for this team are they going to lose a great leader, a great player, they're going to lose a piece of their identity because Yachty or Molina has been the face of the Cardinals for a long time. It really encapsulates, I think, the way a lot of Cardinals fans feel about the birds on the bat, toughness, greatness, a winning mentality. And I just wonder who's going to be that next person to assume that role for Yachty, but it's going to be really hard to kind of replicate what he's been able to bring to this team from an identity standpoint. It really is. And you look at his career and then, you know, the he comes up, you know, the Cardinals go to the World Series and lose to Boston and, uh, He's just been part of this organization for so long and really just deeply embedded in that history. And certainly Adam Wainwright uh, to a certain extent as well. Um, I do think playing every day, it's a little bit different than the every five days. But look, I mean, you could very well next year see the, the end of a whole generation of Cardinals fans like watching Adam Wainwright, watching Javier Molina. That's all coming to a close here. And, you know, I think that, it started to, the era started to end when Albert Pujols left, right? Like, my dad was absolutely devastated when that happened. And, you know, he's really liked Yachty, and Yachty obviously took the mantle as, as his favorite player uh, when Pujols left town. But I think, you know, that door has started to close for a while now, and it's really going to firmly shut when Yadier Molina and Adam Wainwright are done. And you're going to have to look around and say, who is next? How can we continue to have this identity? And hopefully... Those guys have been around long enough that they have left these indelible impressions on these younger players, and hopefully they can continue to be that kind of a team because it's very interesting. I thought Schultz went on about how tough these guys are, how they want to play all the time, how having to sit a lot of these guys just to keep them fresh is a lot of the times an argument. And to me, that's a direct reflection of having guys like Yadimir Molina, having guys like Adam Wainwright in that clubhouse, posting up even at the ages they're at, even when we all know they're dealing with probably minor injuries, maybe in Molina's case, major, major injuries and major pain. So I think they've been around long enough that hopefully they really have impacted that next generation of Cardinals players. Athletic senior MLB writer Britt Giroli with us on 101 ESPN. And Britt, as you were doing the Yachty piece here in St. Louis, you also had a chance to speak to Max Scherzer. And as you mentioned, you went out to L.A. And it's interesting, as we talk about Yachty, Yachty and Max Scherzer, from a baseball perspective, are kind of kindred spirits, aren't they? They really are. Um, And I think people kind of look at these talents and say, well, they're just better than everyone else. 
but it, it's no accident um, that they're better than everyone else. Um, Gabby Molina, as I said, was running in the middle of August um, by himself um, in the middle of the day. And that's what makes him great. Max Scherzer is finding ways to pitch around the hamstring and the back and the neck and all these different units that he has. And that's what makes him great. So it is never just the talent at this level. It is what they do behind the scenes. Nobody wants any part of Max Scherzer's between starts running routine. Um, I'm sure nobody wants any part of what Yadier Molina has to put himself through to be able to catch at the level he's catching at at nearly 40 years old. So it's interesting you say that. There are a lot of parallels with those guys. And I worry those guys are going away as the game becomes more about rest and more about young guys. And more about, well, if something hurts, let's just shut it down proactively. There is something to be said to that, yes. Uh, but I also think that things that these guys do, the lessons that they bring are really important. Um, another thing that they have in common, Britt, that I, I realized from both of your pieces is not only the greatness that they possess from a physical standpoint, the commitment to their craft, but both of these guys, Max Scherzer and Yadier Molina, seem to really live in the moment. You talked in your piece about Yadi about how day-to-day he pushes that pain away from a mental standpoint and just focuses on the game at hand. Max Scherzer was talking about 3,000 strikeouts and how it takes him about a year to really appreciate something that he does in his career from an amazing standpoint. It seems like these guys are just so laser-focused focused on the job that they have to do day in and day out. They really are. You know, Max Scherzer hits his 3,000 strikeout in the fifth inning against Eric Cosmer uh, over the weekend. And he steps off for just a second because the crowd's going nuts. And he doffs his cap very quickly. And then he gets in there and he fires the first pitch strike to the next batter. Like that is what sets him apart, right? He is able to refocus, get back in the zone, and go after that next guy. He was not happy to just hit that 3,000 mark. He had a perfect game going. He had already thrown an immaculate inning. Uh, You know, that to me is what makes these guys so great. They're constantly trying to say, what's next? Where else do I get? Um, And you see that with both Molina and Scherzer. They're already in the record books. They already are probably Hall of Famers, but that doesn't stop the drive. They want to be better, better, better. And ultimately, both these guys want to win more than anything else. Hey, Britt, one more thing before we let you go, and we do appreciate your time this morning. We've been asking Cardinal fans today, and as you know, Cardinal fans are somewhat entitled or spoiled, and we're asking Cardinal fans today whether or not they th- they want the Cardinals to make the playoffs. Uh, tell Cardinal fans why they should or should not want the club to make the playoffs. Well, I think they should because the last time they were a wild card team, they won it all, didn't they, 10 years ago? Uh, 2011, so... I think, um, listen, I covered the 2019 Nationals. That was a wild card team that just got in, and people thought they were going to lose, and they went all the way to the World Series and won that. So I think you always want your team to get into the World Series because it's never the best team on paper. It's often not the best team on paper. That wins the whole thing. So once you get in there, it's a roll of the dice. And I think if you're a Cardinals fan, you know, and, and that whole team that's gone by that cardiac Cardinals kind of mantra, um, you there is power in being that last team in and scratching and clawing into the last day to get in. There is something to be said for that. So I think I think if you're the Cardinals, you want them to get in, and you're curious to see how far they go because you, know, you, you look around and you know the NL East winner isn't very scary. Um, you know, crazier things have happened. Like I said, I covered the 2019 Nationals. I now believe that really anything can happen as long as you punch your ticket. Britt, great work on the Yachty and Scherzer pieces and all of your work at The Athletic. We advise everybody to go out and subscribe to The Athletic and read your work, and hopefully we can talk again soon. 
All right. Well, thank you so much. And thanks for having me. Thank you very much. Britt Giroli is senior MLB writer for The Athletic, joining us on 101 ESPN. And I'm sure even when Yachty revealed to Britt that he's dealing with pain every day, which we know he is, he's minimizing it because I'm sure it's far more severe than any of us can even imagine. Yeah, I would think that he's able to put it aside. When you get hit as much as he does, whether it's on the head or on the shoulder or on the hand, he got hit on the hand again last night. It's something mentally that he's able to just put aside and not have to deal with. I get a paper cut, Randy, and I can't focus during the day. Mm-hmm. Right. I can't imagine your knee screaming in pain and you squat down over and over and over again, how you push that away. But the great ones, a lot of times what makes them great is the mental capacity that they have to overcome things. And I complained a lot up until midseason about how much he was playing. And credit to the Cardinals. Andrew Kisner has started 36 games now. And I was hoping at the beginning of the season that Kisner would start about 42 and that Yachty would start 120. If you can limit Yachty to 120 this year, You've done a pretty good job. So credit where credit is due to Schilt and his staff, because I didn't give him credit earlier. So I will give them credit now for keeping him rested. That's Michelle. I'm Randy. Coming up, the Cardinals did win 7-0 last night, and they did it with a lot of good things happening. We'll tell you about the good things next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. The New York Mets had a big emotional win over the Yankees on Sunday night, and they had some momentum coming into last night's game against the Cardinals. But the old adage in baseball is momentum is as good as your next day's starting pitcher. And the Cardinals' next day's starting pitcher, Michelle, was Adam Wainwright, who went six shutout innings against the Mets. He allowed four hits. He walked three, struck out four. And then T.J. McFarland, Alex Reyes, Cody Whitley came on with scoreless innings, and the Cardinals roll seven to nothing. Do you think Mets fans are so sick of seeing Adam Wainwright and Yadier Molina? Think about the pain that they have consistently caused them. I I wonder if on their board of hate, how high Waino and Yadi rank. And how frustrating must it have been for the Mets fans that were there? to have the very vocal Cardinal fans chanting Yadi, mm-hmm. Yadi, Yadi. As Yadi goes three for five last night, he was terrific, had a couple of runs scored in an RBI. And up and down the lineup, Tommy Edmond, even though he did strike out four times, he had a base hit and got the table set for Goldie early on. Goldschmidt, two for four with a home run and a couple of RBIs, a couple of runs scored. scored. Tyler O'Neill goes two for four. Arenado with an RBI in his one for four performance. Carlson has a hit. Sosa has a hit. He also hit the umpire with a ball, uh, Ooh, throwing yeah, ball. Yeah, that was rough. Yeah, and the Cardinal pitching was great. Everything came together last night. So the question is, with the Cardinals just a half game out in the wild card race, Adam Wainwright, this has been asked of Brad Thompson before. Where do you go from here? We just got to keep keep winning series. That's that's what we got to do. We got to keep winning series, and we're going to be in a good chance. We're, we're going to be in good shape uh, the last couple days. If I know us, though, we, we like to, whether we win 100 games or we win 90 games, we like to bring it down to the very last day of the season before we know anything. It's just how we roll. 
It really is how they roll. They like mm-hmm. to make it interesting up until the last week, sometimes the last game of the season. But this is something that the Cardinals players and, and a lot of people within the organization have been saying all season. We're a team that's built to turn it on down the stretch. We're a September team, a late August team, and fans don't want to hear that. But yet here they are, Randy, having a game like they had last night, sitting in a pretty favorable position in the standings as we round the corner from September into October. I mean, they were right. And it looks like the Cardinals may be yeah. able to do this. They may be able to sneak into no, the playoffs. It's not going to happen. Is this? Are you doing the thing that you do where you say they're not going to make it, knowing that if you say they don't make it, they'll make it? Michelle, they have a 1% chance. This is the, yeah, the Michael Jordan 1% chance. And you know what? After Adam, his second retirement. Adam Wainwright's going to cut this audio out, and he's going to play it for the team because he's going to take that personally. <laughs> and I took that personally. And I took that personally. <laughs> Wayno now 16-7 and seven with a 2.88 earned run average. 167 strikeouts. His whip is is 1.03 and last night Paul Goldschmidt was asked what impresses him most about the 40 year old right hander I don't know I mean he just does everything so great but I just think he's just adapted you know as he's gotten older as we all do and probably I don't know if he's found new pitches but found you know great ways to use them and get his body ready to pitch every five days and um, but he's doing a lot of the same stuff he's so prepared he's such a smart pitcher he can use any pitch in any count and you know, that's what makes him tough. He doesn't really fall into patterns. And, um, you know, as soon as you, you know, think you're getting a fastball, he, you know, throws a curveball. And then when you're on that, it's a cutter. So he even uses his change up now, maybe something he didn't have a few years ago. So makes it tough on hitters. And, uh, you know, he kind of speeds you up and slows you down and doesn't make many mistakes. So everything you can ask for, I mean, he's been huge for us this year. He's really carried us. He's set the tone. And, and we've needed, you know, huge outings from him and got the bullpen rested. So can't say enough great things about him and um, just glad he's on our side. I'm glad he's on our side too and Goldie's so right there. He doesn't make many mistakes. Eight, with age comes wisdom, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it seems like every time that Adam Wainwright goes out there, he knows exactly what to do and exactly how to do it. He is like the pitching version of Paul Goldschmidt, isn't he? He's like the, the big fundy pitcher. Yeah. Except there's a little bit more pizzazz there yeah, with Adam Wayne, right? No doubt about it. <laughs> but, but that's why Goldie's the big fundy, because he doesn't yep. need the pizzazz. He's just the big fundy. Yep. And the Cardinals are winning series. That's what they need to do, according to Wayno. So, Goldie, do you think that the Cardinals are on the right track now? Uh, I mean, we're going to find out. I mean, with these next uh, five games against teams that are riding this wild card race, and then our last two weeks against Milwaukee and Chicago, you know, probably come down the last day or so, and see how the four or five of us uh, play. So we definitely have a chance and uh, you know, we'll see what happens. Isn't this what we want? Don't you want the Cardinals to be in it up until the last week, the last potential day of things? And it's going against Milwaukee and Chicago. Don't you want them to be in a position where they can take their fate into their own hands and do it against their division rivals? I'd like it to be against Pittsburgh and Chicago. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> Me too. But iron sharpens iron, Randy. If they are going to be a playoff team, they're going to need to go out there and beat tough quality opponents, winning opponents. And the Cardinals had a good couple of months and were in first place by three and a half games when Jack Flaherty got hurt. But they have won a lot of series recently. Of late, the only series they lost was that one to Milwaukee where they they did drop two of three. So Mike Schilt was asked last night if what the Cardinals are doing right now, with the circumstances as they are, is their best stretch of the season. Yeah, timing's good. Um, It's definitely capable of it. I think we've done it in in stretches this year. 
you know, but I've said this recently and I feel comfortable and confident about it. But, you know, this team, in order to do what we want to do, got to do it in, together, you know, and everybody put their piece in and be consistent as possible. And, and that requires the solid pitching, the good defense to go hand in hand, and the good quality of at bats that um, we've been able to take. Middle of the lineup you mentioned, but really one through the whole thing. I mean, you know, was a contributor tonight as well. So we get some Niner action as well. So. But, uh, you know, it's really the, as you say, holistic approach to playing baseball and firing on all cylinders. And, Michelle, the Cardinals in their last 10 series have lost two of them, and both were to the Brewers. Well, that's not great news. But I, I thought... <laughs> we had done the stretch here yeah, with Milwaukee looming. And they're 2-4, and four, and when they had 13 left... I thought the Cardinals had to go six and seven against Milwaukee. If you do that, you're fine. So what you need to do now in those remaining games against the Brewers is win, find a way to win three or four of them. And if you can handle this series and handle San Diego over the weekend, the big one is going to be the Padres over the weekend because you handled Cincinnati the way you were supposed to. If you can handle the Padres this weekend, then you just roll the dice and take your chances. Hopefully, Milwaukee won't have anything to play for. They're kind of locked into the second seed. So hopefully, Craig Council will be getting his team ready for the playoffs and won't be pushing his starting pitchers too hard, give his offensive players some days off, and let the Cardinals get the wild card. And with the way the Padres are playing right now, I approach that series saying the only way the Cardinals are going to lose here is if they beat themselves. Agreed. Padres, if you didn't hear earlier, in their last 23 games since August 1st are 7-16. and 16. And if you didn't think or don't think they're desperate, know that they have moved Fernando Tatis Jr. back to shortstop. He was playing right field to protect his left shoulder. And they said, nope, we're going to, we want that energy on the infield, so we're going to move you back to shortstop. They're playing with this guy's future by trying to win games now with him at shortstop. Can he pitch? Because it seems like that's where they need help. You Darvish, disaster last night. Blake Snell, injured. Chris Paddock, not pitching well uh, since he came back. They really don't have a lot going for him that way. Which is why I feel confident in the Cardinals heading towards that series. And our question is, if you feel confident... Do you hope they make the playoffs or miss them? And we're going to have more of this coming up at 9.15. We're going to talk to Mike Claiborne at 8.45, Lars Newtbar, Cardinal outfielder, at 9 o'clock. Then at 9.15, your mic drops your texts. Would you rather the Cardinals make the or miss the playoffs? And we've got a lot of response to this already, and we'll continue this as the show goes on. But coming up next, we have The Fight on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. <laughs> It is Carriker and Smallman on this Tuesday, and it's 8.35. That time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler, which means it's time for the fight. Levi is going to be Randy's challenger today. Good morning, Levi. Good morning. Are you excited to take on Randy in the fight today? Always excited to take on Randy. Oh, have you done it before? Um, A long, long time ago. Oh, I'm assuming maybe during the fast lane days? Yep. How did that one turn out? Not so good for me. So hopefully I can change that. <laughs> okay, well, good luck to you, Levi. Hopefully you have a, a better outcome this time. 
right. Question number one for you. The Raiders defeated the Ravens 33-27 to in overtime last night in the first Monday night football game of the 2021 NFL season. Which franchise has had the most Monday night football appearances in NFL history? Is it the Dallas Cowboys, the Pittsburgh Steelers, or the Miami Dolphins? I'm going to go on a limb here and say... Pittsburgh Steelers. Nolan Arenado is currently at 97 RBI, short, three shy of a 100 RBI season. Who was the last Cardinal to have a 100 plus RBI season? Is it Matt Holiday, Paul Goldschmidt, or Alan Craig? Matt Holiday. I believe they talked about that in the broadcast last night, if you were listening. I don't know. Question number number three. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is on pace to win the AL Triple Crown, leading the American League with a 318 batting average, 45 home runs, and sitting in third place with 103 RBI. Who was the last player to win a Triple Crown in Major League Baseball? Was it Larry Walker, Miguel Cabrera, or Barry Bonds? Miguel Cabrera. Which Mets starter played college baseball with Harrison Bader at the University of Florida? Was it Jeff McNeil, Michael Conforto, or Pete Alonzo? Pete Alonzo. All right. Checking our score. Randy is on his way in. Levi, where are you from? Uh, Old Monroe. Oh. Close to St. Peter's. Okay, cool. I was just going to ask where that was near. Uh, Randy is taking off his mask. He's getting settled in. Randy, please say hello to Levi. Levi, it is great to have you with us. Thanks for listening. Thanks for playing. How are you doing this morning? Doing great, Randy. How are you? Doing well, and I'm glad you were able to get through and play. Yeah. Are you ready? Ready. Question number one for one, Randy Carriker. Mm-hmm. The Raiders defeated the Ravens 33-27 in overtime last night in the first Monday Night Football game of the 2021 NFL season. Which franchise has had the most Monday Night Football appearances in NFL history? Um... It's got to be either the Cowboys or the Giants. I will go with Dallas. <laughs> Nolan Arenado is currently at 97 RBI, three shy of a 100 RBI season. Who was the last Cardinal to have a 100 plus RBI season? I'm thinking that that was 2012 Matt Holiday. Randy Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is on pace to win the AL Triple Crown. He leads the American League with a 318 batting average, 45 home runs, and he sits in third place with 103 RBI. Who was the last player to win a Triple Crown in Major League Baseball? Miguel Cabrera, Tigers. And which Mets starter played college baseball with Harrison Bader at the University of Florida? Starter, like player? Yes. Peter Alonzo. Oh, my God. Are you making that noise, Levi, because you know it's a tie between you and Randy. It's a tie. (laughs) Randy, you had a tie yesterday as well. I know. A lot of drama to start the week here on The Fight. All right, Levi, here's how this is going to work. I'm going to read the tiebreaker question. Randy's going to write down his answer on a sheet of paper here. We're going to give you first crack at it. You're going to get about 10 seconds to give us your answer. Randy will reveal what he has written down. First to get it correct or closest to the pin wins. Are you ready? I'm not. Yeah. Oh, Randy's getting set up here. Are those all your notes? So, fa- yeah, I got so notes as fast cool. as I can order, or as fast as I can answer it? No, you you can take your time, but we're going to, you know, for the segment's oh, okay. sake. You can't oh, get yeah. four <laughs> minutes. Okay, there we go. <laughs> all right. Are those all your notes from the trial? No, those are on a different thing. Oh, okay. I was going to say. Okay. <clears throat> Levi and Randy, are you both ready? Ready. 
All right, here Ready. we go. Here is your tiebreaker question. How many times has a player hit 50 home runs in an MLB season? How many times has a player hit 50 home runs in a Major League Baseball season? Hmm. Okay, this is good. I am going to go. I love the noises from both competitors today. Yeah. Uh, I am oh, let me write down go. my little. I have to record what your answers are, gentlemen. Okay. Okay, I have Randy's. I'm going. Let's go 21. <laughs> All right. Levi said 21. Randy, your guess is 70. Emily. <laughs> this is going to be a close one because it's definitely the closest to the pin situation. Mm-hmm. Emily's doing the math. I see her doing it. Ring that bell. The winner and new champion of the fight. Average Joe Listener. The fight sponsored by Ryan Kelly and HeroLoan.com. Check out how they help veterans and service members at the new and improved HeroLoan.com. Congratulations, Levi. Let's run it back. We're going to see the path that led Levi to victory here. So the franchise that has had the most Monday Night Football appearances in NFL history, Randy, is our Miami Dolphins. Oh, wow. With 85. That's amazing. Dallas Cowboys at 82. The Miami Dolphins at 85. The last Cardinal to have a 100-plus RBI season is Matt Holliday, as Randy mentioned, back in 2012 with 102 RBI. The last player to win the Triple Crown in Major League Baseball was Miguel Cabrera in 2012 as well. 44 home runs, 139 RBI, 330 batting average. The current Mets player who played college baseball with Harrison Bader at the University of Florida Florida is Pete Alonzo. I was going to say Gator. Anyway, it's Pete Alonzo. Pete Alonzo says Florida now. Florida? Yeah. <laughs> okay, so here's a tiebreaker question, and this was a tough one. How many times has a player hit 50 home runs in an MLB season? Levi guessed 21. Randy guessed 70. The correct answer is 43. Hmm. It has happened 43 times by 27 players. Babe Ruth, Mark McGuire, and Sammy Sosa have accomplished the feat the most times for each. For each. So, Levi, you were closest to the pin, which means you are today's victor. Congratulations, and we'll talk to you again tomorrow. You get another chance at Randy, one step closer to the Hall of Fame. All right. Thanks. I appreciate it. Thanks, Levi. Levi joining us in the fight on 101 ESPN. The Cardinal, yes, did you have something to add there? No, I was just going to see how you were feeling. Oh, I'm fine. I'm great. So why wouldn't I be? I don't know. Just losing the fight. Just want to check in on you. Make sure you're okay. That's, what? What? How? What was the difference there in the closest to the pin? Leva got twenty. He was twenty-two away. Uh-huh. You were twenty-seven. Ooh, so close, I had to do close, the math. Close. That didn't bother me much. I, I thought it was him, but I just wanted to double check. Yeah. No. That's. I have no per- trouble with that. Why? Because you think Good he'll crush stuff. him tomorrow. I think. <laughs> That's the fight on 101 ESPN. Coming up next, we're going to talk to our buddy Mike Claiborne, (laughs) Cardinal broadcaster with uh, ClaibsOnline.com. Claibs next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Carriker and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. I don't know that anybody 
outside of David Toms, had a better time at the Ascension Charity Classic this weekend than our friend Mike Claiborne. Claib's online, and of course, you can hear him on Cardinal Broadcasts. And Mike joins us every Tuesday morning. He's with us now on the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line on 101 ESPN. Claib's, it was good to see you Saturday. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Not only did I see you on Saturday, I hung out with Michelle earlier in the week and she was at the ballpark. So two of my favorite people I had a chance to see within a week's time, which normally doesn't happen. But you're right about one thing, Randy. I had a ball at the golf tournament because it was kind of like homecoming where there was so many people because of COVID and our schedules. We don't see each other. And I just saw so many people, and as I was telling Frank Cusimano yesterday, with all the people who said, hey, let's do dinner here soon, I'll be 800 pounds by November. (laughs) Uh, Claves, give us a scouting report from the Ascension Charity Classic, because we talked to Nick Ragone yesterday, and he gave us a viewpoint from where he stood about the operations and how everything was executed. But as somebody that was out there walking around, tell us what it was like. You know, it was really cool because, First of all, when you think about the event itself, and and think about this, this is the only golf tournament other than um, other than Augusta National where it's going to be held in the same place for the next three years. So, you know, and and I'm a member there, so I, I, I have great pride in what they were able to do. But just walking around and knowing the course like I knew it. Uh, was more fun to see how guys were going to play shots. Now, obviously, I'm not going to be able to play as well as them, but that was cool. The weather was outstanding, and the fact that you were so close to the golfers, especially on the practice range, on the driving range, and I stood there for maybe 20 minutes and just watched VJ sing swing a golf club, and I kept saying that's what I want to be when I grow up because he has the most elegant, most smooth swing, he and Ernie Els. And you know what? You can't see that everywhere else. I mean, you can watch it on TV, but that was really the coolest thing about being able to see people we followed all of our lives and and watch them in their senior stage and and still be able to strike a golf ball better than we can ever imagine. I think anybody who is tuned in that has tried to play golf or does play golf, I, I walked around with Ernie Els, and you mentioned that smooth, easy swing. How does he not try to swing it as hard as he can at least once? I, and see, that's the difference between him and me and you, Randy. We 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 continue to want to do that. <laughs> and he, you know, I just think mentally, he just said, you know what? When I swing hard, I don't get the good results. So it's more of a mental element than a physical presence that he has, where he can just have that nice casual swing and know that most times he's going to have really good results. All right, let's move to the Cardinals now. Are you buying in here? They're only 13-13 and over their last 26, but they're a half game out of the wild card spot. Why not? I think is 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 the question. Why not buy in? Because when you look at the teams that they're playing and you say, if you think the Cardinals have problems, and you look at Cincinnati, and you look at New York, and you look at San Diego, and you say, why not? I mean, you know what? They have as good of a chance as anybody now. I love what the manager is doing and how he's trying to put the best players on the field. And, and I start off with Sosa and what he's meant uh, to this ball club. And, and you, if you think about it, Go back two years ago when somebody thought Tommy Edmond was a better idea at third base than Matt Carpenter, and you saw how that turned out with postseason. Uh, they're pushing a lot of the right buttons right now, and 
when you look at the other teams and you say, man, I, I thought we were we were in trouble. But you look at them and you say, now I know why they're chasing a wild card like we are. I mean, the, the consistency or the lack of consistency is just something that just makes you scratch your head. But here's the key. If you don't have pitching down the stretch, you've got no chance. And you better have enough pitching because, Randy and Michelle, what happens if, if we have three or four teams tie on the last day of the season? So that means you're going to dig deeper into the well to find somebody to pitch on Monday, somebody to pitch on Tuesday. And then, oh, by the way, we've got a playoff game that really counts as far as a wild card. I mean, there's so many scenarios that are still out there. So whoever has the most pitching, and right now I like the Cardinals because they stretched out the bullpen a little bit more where you've got Garcia, you've got T.J. Uh, uh, TJ McCl- uh, McFarland, and you've got some other guys, and we saw last night with the closer last night, you, you know, you're stretching out your bullpen and they can give you more than an inning. And I think that's the, the key right now. Do you think uh, we'll see Flaherty? I, I'm assuming we're going to see Hudson. Do you think we'll see Flaherty too by the end of the year? I don't think we'll see Hudson. I, I think that Hudson, as good as he's pitching and he's coming along, I'm not sure if that's the best scenario for him. I think he's a guy that, hey, listen, finish strong in the minors, have something to look forward to when we get to spring training. As for Flaherty, I I think the biggest challenge is when you've been accustomed to being a starter all your life and you prepare for a game and you go through your preparation and how you want to approach hitters, to go to the bullpen and say, hey, listen, get ready just in case, that's a whole different dynamic that I don't think he's ever experienced. So I'm not sure if it's going to be something that's going to be advantageous. But at this point, he, we know this, he's well-rested. So maybe he gives you length in case you get in trouble. But let's just hope we don't get to that. Speaking of potentially getting into a little bit of trouble last night, Claves, I thought it was huge for Alex Reyes after that Lindor walk in the bottom of the eight Conforto, Conforto singles. Alex Reyes just turns it on, striking out Alonzo Baez and, and McNeil back to back to back. I thought that was such a huge moment in that game and such a huge moment for Alex Reyes. Michelle, I couldn't agree with you more uh, because we all know he's been battling it. And, you know, pitching in, in New York, you know, his family's just over in Rawway, New Jersey. I know he had a big crowd there for him last night. And if you guys have been around him, he, he's a, a real delightful person who has gone through a lot of things, and this has been probably one of the great challenges, uh, aside from when his daughter was having some some issues health-wise, for him to battle in the manner that he did and get the strikeouts. And he wasn't just throwing, he was pitching. You know, he wasn't just throwing 98-mile-an-hour heaters. He was throwing some change-ups, some sliders, some things he's going to need if he's going to continue to be successful. Mike Claiborne with us on 101 ESPN. And, Michael, what do we have on the website this week? Oh, doctor. We have uh, we have Rammer and uh, Joe Roger with the Daily Cards, and they talk about the lineups. Huddle up with Howard Richards. We talk football on Thursday, uh, pro football, and certainly the college scene. Uh, we're going to visit with Jerome Heavens a little later this week. Nice. Jerome Heavens, one of the great running backs in this area, uh, who had a really good career well after Notre Dame. And uh, also Craig Berube is going to join me, and we're going to talk with him. You know, it was fun to hang out with him the other day. I, he, he's a delightful guy. 
and now he's starting to get himself ready for for hockey, and, and just talking to him, and you know, he he he. Let's just put it this way: he was a busy man this off season, and I'll let it go at that. And you'll hear more about that a little later. But those are just some of the things we have coming up on ClavesOnline.com. Love it. We'll be checking that out. Just go to Twitter and follow Mike Claiborne Claves Online, and all of those daily videos you can see and hear there. Michael, we will see you soon. Thanks so much for the time. We appreciate it. Gang, it was great seeing both of you last week. We have to do it more often. We definitely do, and we will. That is Mike Claiborne on 101 ESPN. He's the best. He is the best, and I'm really looking forward to checking out his interview with Craig Berube. Yeah, that'll be great. I want to hear about uh, Berube's busy offseason. Yeah, good tease by Claves. Coming up next on 101 ESPN, we're going to head to New York, and Cardinals outfielder Lars Newtbar will join us to talk about last night's win and where the Cardinals are headed. He is next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. He's been a pretty pleasant surprise. I think if we go back to the beginning of the season when none of us had heard of Lars Newbar, <laughs> to think about the fact that he has three homers, 10 RBIs. Michelle, he's a 676 OPS coming off the bench. He just turned 24 last week. The Cardinals... And we have been talking about the Cardinals needing a left-handed bat, especially with the problems that Matt Carpenter has encountered this season and perhaps his last season in Major League Baseball. Nudbar has been a necessary addition for the Cardinals. He brings a lot of energy to this team. And I'm telling you, Randy, he's my candidate for devil magic as we get closer and closer to the postseason because he's a guy that seemingly will come out of nowhere to a lot of other fan bases. They've likely never heard of Lars Nupar or likely never seen him play. And doesn't his name just scream Cardinal Devil Magic? It really does. Yeah, that's the kind of guy that you say... If you're a Dodger fan and he gets an infield single off of Max Scherzer in the sixth inning of a 1-1 game and comes around to score, you say, who the hell is that guy? What? Why is Who is Lars Newtbar? What's, what's happening here? This can't happen to us, but it's happened to the Dodgers so many times with the Cardinals, whether it was Pete Cosma owning Clayton Kershaw or Matt Adams hitting the home run off of Kershaw or... Marco Gonzalez coming up and pitching well against them, or Steven Piscotty coming up from the minors and, and playing well against the Dodgers in the playoffs. The Cardinals always seem to have a devil magic guy ready for the Dodgers. Because if it's not Lars Nupar, who's your candidate? Who's who's another candidate on that list? Because I don't think it can really be Dylan Carlson because he's such no. a highly touted guy and has been playing for a while with the Cardinals or this season. I think it's Sosa. Sosa's another great one. Yeah. I think when Sosa plays, starts a playoff game, whether it's a wild card game or against the Giants in the second round, when the Cardinals play them, their fans are going to say, I thought Paul DeYoung was their shortstop. Yeah, who's, who's this guy? Who's Amundo Sosa? Yeah. Who, because you have to say, who is this guy? Right. For it to really qualify as devil magic. Yeah. Like, who, what well, other fan bases were, were like very locked into what Pete Cosma was doing or who he was? And because of what the Cardinals have been over the last couple of years, not as much national TV, not as many Sunday night games mm-hmm. as they played in the past, I would have to think that the people that the general fandom of baseball know are Arenado, Goldie, Wainwright, and uh, Molina. But otherwise, I, I don't think they really know Harrison Bader. No. And Tyler O'Neill. Tyler O'Neill, no. So, so could those guys qualify? Yeah. I, I think from our standpoint, no. But I'll bet you if you're sitting there in San Francisco and you get beat by a Dylan Carlson or a Tyler O'Neill home run, you say, 
Who? That's what the Cardinals do. They yep. have these young guys yep. that and, figure it out. And by the way, the right. Giants have a million of those guys right now, too. Their whole team is devil magic. Right. <laughs> yeah. So it's not something that we have to really concern ourselves with uh, because we know that the Cardinals will be there. But. Oh. <laughs> I heard that. But Giants fans do. And we have to concern ourselves with the Mike Yastrzemski's and the Lamont Wade Juniors of the world and former Cardinal farmhand Donovan Solano. The Travis Ishikawa's of the world? Yeah. Yikes. That call still haunts me. Yeah. Not great. But you know what? I would take that pain, the pain of the postseason, just to be there, which is what we were talking about a lot today. And by the way, Mike Claiborne is on the inside. I thought it was notable that he said that he doubts that we'll see uh, Dakota Hudson mm-hmm. for the rest of the season in the playoffs because everything that I've read and heard, and I'm not inside, I'm not with the club every day like Mike is, but you, I get the impression that with the way that he's ascending with his minor league rehab stints, that he's ascending towards pitching in the majors this year, it does make sense for the Cardinals to have him healthy and ready to go in spring training. But if he's ready to go this year, if he pitched five innings the other day and he's better than what you might have, if he's better than Daniel Ponce de Leon, then why not put him on the roster? I understand wanting to protect a player and preserve their future while you can, but I'm with you. I kind of assumed based on everything we've been hearing and reading about him that the Cardinals might have wanted to utilize him in a piggyback type situation, get him in there if they can, if, if he seems to be affected and he's fresh enough, why not? I I would actually think that he has a better opportunity to pitch than Jack Flaherty does. Because, as Mike said, Flaherty has never pitched out of the bullpen before. It's hard to start getting warmed up and learning how to get quick when you're a pitcher that has been a starter your entire career and you've never been a bullpen guy before. So I, I can see why they would be very cautious with Flaherty because especially with the injuries he's had this year with the oblique and now with uh, what he's dealing with with the shoulder tightness you don't want to have him get in a situation where he usually has 20 minutes to warm up and he has five. Are you thinking of a Michael Walker type situation? Yes. A guy who hasn't thrown in a while that gets put in a crucial situation and might not be 100% warmed up and ready to go? That's exactly the situation I'm thinking of. So we come back yeah. to the Travis Ishikawa situation. <laughs> yeah, we oh, we're, we're going back there. Yeah. We we got to bring that up, don't we? we well, it's Cardinals postseason. This is what we're talking about. We're talking about, yeah. de- if we're going to talk about devil magic and the positives, we need to bring up the Travis Ish- Ishikawa's as well. All right. We shall. We head now to the Brown and Crouppen celebrity line. That's Michelle Smallman. I'm Randy Carricker. This is 101 ESPN. And Cardinal outfielder Lars Newtbar joins us on Carricker and Smallman. Lars, thanks for taking some time with us this morning. We appreciate it. How are you doing? Great. How are you guys doing? Thanks for having me. Uh, we're, we're thrilled that you're with us. And number one, this is your first trip in the major leagues to New York. Is it open? And have you been? have you had the opportunity to walk around a little bit? Yeah, I have. Yesterday, or we got in actually two nights ago. So yesterday, um, woke up and, and walked around and had the uh, New York local Harrison Bader kind of take us around. So me and Kidman walked around a little bit with him and, and showed us some of his spots. We went to uh, Essa Bagel, so uh, that was pretty good. Um, but yeah, just kind of walked around. First time really in New York City in my entire life, so... Uh, trying to get it all in as much as possible. Well, a good a good trip so far, Lars. A huge win for your Cardinals last night, seven to nothing. Take Randy and I inside the clubhouse after a big win like last night. Yeah, I mean, after a big win, it's 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 pretty fun. Obviously, uh, we walk in there. There's music playing. We have the same playlist going. So everyone kind of knows knows which songs are coming. You know, uh, coaches are going around giving handshakes and high fives and throwing the players and. Uh, 
yesterday too it was, it was Monday night football so all the guys were kind of jumping after that and obviously uh, you know after a win like that it's it's nothing nothing but good feels so it's the same playlist every night who's in charge of the tunes I want to say I want to say at home it's Jack and then Jack has that playlist flared in and then Jack has gives it to somebody else but uh, I'm not exactly sure on the road who it is I just not at home I, Jack's on on the mic Lars, you've been playing sports for basically your entire life. What's it like, though, to be in a pennant race in September? Uh, it's unlike anything else. That's for sure. It's not like it's not like the Little League playoffs. We, uh, you know, like it's 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 cool waking up every morning. I was, I was talking to uh, a group of people at uh, Wayno's one of Wayno's events, you know, last week, and I was just saying being able to wake up in St. Louis. You know, playing for the Cardinals and then knowing that we're in this hunt, uh, there's no feeling like it. There's nothing I've ever experienced playing sports before that that compares to this. And so, uh, you know, I'm, I'm glad I'm experiencing it firsthand. And, and obviously, St. Louis being such a baseball town, it's, it's awesome. So, uh, very thankful for the opportunity. Lars, is there a, someone that you've leaned on uh, as far as mentorship is concerned since you've gotten up to St. Louis? Or is there a player in particular who's given you good vice, advice on how to adjust to the major leagues? Yeah, I mean, um, you know, I've, I've been optioned up and down three times this year, so I've kind of known myself, you know, the, the roller coaster of emotions that it can be, and then I've gotten to experience, you know, some sort of successes and then failures as well. So, um, you know, obviously myself, but um, Harrison's really done a good job. You know, after a good game, he'll text me. After a bad game, he'll text me and reach out and, and make sure I'm doing all right. Um, but also, you know, the older vets like Yachty and, and Tarp and Nolan and Gold. Oldie and those guys, they've you know they've been around the game so long and they've they've seen it all. And so um, being able to lean on guys like that, you know, Nolan's obviously been so great to me, and I can ask him what he's seen when I'm at the plate or vice versa. And you know, I just kind of keep him positive because I don't really have much, you know, I don't have much I can I can lend to him. But uh, but all those vets have been great to me. Harrison's been great to me as well. He's kind of taking me under his wing as a as an outfielder, um, defensively and then offensively as well. Cardinals outfielder Lars Newtbar with us on. 101 ESPN. What's it like having an outfield where you guys are all pretty much around the same age, whether it's Tyler, Harrison, uh, Dylan, and yourself? Yeah, it's pretty cool. Uh, it's pretty cool. I mean, I pitch and staff around the same age, but, but different <laughs> ages than, than, than the outfielders. Right. Sure. But, uh, <laughs> but, uh, but no, we have, a, we, have a real, we have a real good group out there. We all get along real well. Um, like you said, we're all similar ages, and, and uh, you know, so it, it helps us that way socially, too. So off the field, it's nice. You know, we can go out and grab a dinner, and, and, and we're, we're real friendly with each other. But, um, but yeah, no. Being outfielders, being able to jail so well, you know, I think that's a, a huge factor. And then so when we go out there and play defense, you know, we kind of have this, you know, good connection out there. So um, having an outfield crew like that's real, real great. And Tyler and Dylan and Harrison have been, have been nothing but good to me. Hey, Lars, I, I want you, because our afternoon show has fun with your entire name, Lars Taylor Tetsui Nootbar, uh, that, that's what they call you every time, I want you to give us the background of Lars Taylor Tetsui Nootbar. Okay, so Lars was, I think it was just the name on, on a list. They had like a list of whatever 10 names, and uh, they went down, it got down to a few names, and then... Um, my grandma, you know, brought up this Lars name, whatever. Uh, my mom's Japanese, 
And so L's and R's are tough for them. And then also having S's at the end of the light names are, are tough. So we decided to put all three of those into one four-letter name and uh, use that. <laughs> Taylor is uh, a family name from generations ago on my dad's side, obviously. Um, Tatsuji is my grandpa's name on my mom's side, Japanese side. And then new bar obviously is it comes down from from my father's side. So I want to, it's Tatsuji. That part is the J we, we pronounce. Okay, we we pronounce yeah we we pronounce the J. We pronounce the J. Got it. Okay, um, Lars, what does it feel like for you when you make a play or you step into the box and you hear people chanting "Newt"? It's <laughs> I. People argue about this, and they think I'm lying, but it's the first time I've ever gotten it in my entire life. It's the first time anybody's really called me that before. Uh, so it's pretty, it's pretty unbelievable. The first time I was, I stepped in Bush and, and I got that. I, I didn't know exactly, you know, what what it was, but then. Uh, <laughs> Thankfully, I got a base hit and out of that. And then once I reached first base, they started chanting it again. So I was like, okay, it wasn't booze, it was news. And then, uh, but since then, you know, they, they've kept strong with it. And, and I love it. I, I really do love it. It locks me in. I kind of look forward to it every time I go up there, I make a play, uh, or the ball's in the air, and I still haven't even yet made the play. So um, the, the energy that they bring is, is, is second to none. That's awesome. And now that you mentioned that you loved it, I'm sure the fans are going to be giving it to you even more. Um, but, Lars, you mentioned the Adam Wainwright Big League Impact Q&A. I was there and got to listen to you and Tommy Edmond and Adam Wainwright speak to the crowd. And one thing that you shared with the group that I didn't know, we know that you played baseball at USC, but I didn't realize that you were almost the starting quarterback for USC football. Can you explain how that went down and how you ended up playing baseball as opposed to football for USC? Well, well, I think Wayno stretched it a little bit, and he gave me a little bit too much credit. But, uh, yeah, I mean, in high school, I was getting recruited a little bit by USC. They would come out to the practices, and uh, they told me that, you know, after my freshman year, they'd, they'd like for me to, to have gone out and play, play football for them. But, um, again, I, I played my freshman year. My coaches in baseball wanted me to go play summer ball and get more at-bats in summer ball. So I ended up doing that and then never walking on to the uh, – to the football team and doing all that because I was under the, the baseball scholarship, so I was under kind of their control a little bit. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I played more than I expected to my freshman year, so I kind of just, you know, stuck to baseball. But uh, football is something I, I played growing up. I started in elementary school, played through middle school and high school, um, and then got a little bit recruited. But, uh, but yeah, you know, Wayno definitely gave me the, the – a, a good amount of credit at that at that <laughs> Q&A, that's for sure. Yeah, here I am thinking that it came down to you and Sam Darnold, that you could have been. Could have, hey, that, could, that could be the story if you wanted to be. It could have been me and Sam, and then I just said, you know what, Sam, you could take it. I'll play baseball, and then boom. Oh, that, that's where I turned in. Well, there's the, that's how an urban legend is born, because here I am thinking that you chose baseball and altered his path, <laughs> Lars. Um, but speaking of the Trojans, with Clay Helton getting fired, is there somebody out there that you would like to be the head coach of USC football? Yeah, I've heard uh, I've heard a couple of names going around. Um, obviously, with Urban Meyer taking that Jaguars job, that's kind of the first name that a lot of people pop up, and they you know they hear about. But um, I don't know how many years. I'm assuming it's a you know four to five year contract that he signed with the Jaguars. But uh, from what I'm hearing, it's the University of Cincinnati's uh, head coach's current head coach's jobs to to. to Take if he wants it, and if not, then I'm here. Bob Stoops over from from uh, Oklahoma. So those two names are pretty interesting. But 
you know, I'm hoping pretty soon we can get back to that that power regime because there's a couple guys in the locker room, and you know, Nolan walks in every day and you know looks disappointed at me, like I'm doing something wrong that I'm playing on the field or something. But uh, <laughs> he's a big he's a big USC fan, so he's always kind of giving me giving me crap about uh, USC, uh, you know, when they when they, when they underperform. So uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know exactly who it's going to be, but uh, hopefully it's somebody that can turn that program back around. And finally, Lars, before we let you go, you're playing in the big league impact fantasy football league and we had a tough week we had rogers and Devonte adams which didn't go particularly yeah. well uh, and you and i and uh you, you and us and adam were all kind of in the same area uh, what hurt you in week one of this fantasy football league you know what uh we didn't get a preseason this year my fantasy team didn't so i'm not gonna uh, yeah as a, as a whole we kind of we kind of struggled a little bit so i just think that's the pre the 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 week one jitters. I think next week we'll be we'll be on we'll step back on the field. I will say though, I will say though, my big league impact team didn't do well, but this my fantasy team with the Cardinals crushed, and I actually played Wayno this week, and 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 probably I think I beat him by like fifty or something. Oh like that. my! So, <laughs> yeah. so I can hang my hat a little bit on the big league impact one, and, and trust me, I'm 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 looking forward to coming back in that one, but. It is nice always beating away now, that's for sure. Well, thank you for that bit of information because we talk to Adam every <laughs> Wednesday, Lars, and we'll be sure to bring oh, that up. Duh. There's oh, no duh. bigger okay. trash talker, is there? <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. That's the thing. I, I say one thing and all of a sudden now tomorrow I'm going to be Okay. Yeah, no, I appreciate that, guys. <laughs> <laughs> no problem. Hey, congratulations on uh, getting into this pennant race and having some fun at the major league level. Have fun the rest of this trip to New York and uh, have uh, have fun the rest of the way. Hopefully the Cardinals will make it to the playoffs again. Thank you so much. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully. Let's go, Cards. All right, take care. That is Lars Newtbar with us on 101 ESPN. And again, it's Lars Taylor Tatsuji Newtbar. So pronounce the J. I would imagine he's one of one in the name category. I would think so, yeah. And one of only two Lars to ever play Major League Baseball. One of two. Yeah, Lars Anderson was with the Diamondbacks back in the early part of the century. I'm sure there might be another Randy character out there in the world. There's probably another Michelle Smallman somewhere. I don't know if there's another Lars Newbar. No. It's a great name. It's fantastic. Uh, Thanks to Lars for joining us on 101 ESPN. Coming up, today's big thing. Would you rather the Cardinals make the playoffs or miss them? We've had some interesting comments. As a matter of fact, one person said that it's a net negative that the Cardinals won a couple of World Series in 06 and 11. More of your response next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. All right. The question of the day is, do you... Want the Cardinals to make the playoffs, or would you rather they didn't? And we do have a lot of your mic drops. We appreciate them, and we will also take your text, 65780. Let's hear from Alec first on 101 ESPN. How could you possibly say that you would want the Cardinals to miss the playoffs and that one texter, 2006 and 2011 were net negatives, and you won two World Series? I mean, what do you even want as a fan? It's absurd. We have to have the most spoiled fan base in all of sports. Or our fan base is literally all goldfish with the shortest memories in the world, or they're 10 years old and do not remember actually the last 20 years of Cardinal baseball. Getting into the playoffs, no matter how, is the whole point of being a fan because that gives us a chance to win a championship. That's the best feeling as a fan, a united feeling with, between a whole city where you can come together and root for your favorite team. 
So I simply do not understand the mindset. Get into the playoffs. Anything can happen. Go Cardinals. Couldn't agree with Alec Moore. I will never understand how someone thinks winning a World Series in 2006 and another one in 2011 is a net negative for a franchise because I'm sure outside of the Red Sox and the Giants, any other franchise in baseball would like to emulate the success that the Cardinals have had over the past few decades. Not to mention another World Series appearance, many postseason appearances. And as a fan, you should look to those two championships and know that all you have to do is punch your ticket and get in and anything can happen. Michelle, don't you think that there is a rather large segment of society that just desires to be unhappy? Yes, I think that this question, while it seems a little ludicrous at the surface, do you want your team, the team that you log many hours of your life, watching the games, listening to this show, listening to us break down the games. You're likely reading about the team. You're probably scrolling on social media, reading what people are saying about the team. Think about the investment just from a time perspective that you've invested in this team and then you don't want them to make the playoffs to somehow satisfy this I told you so, I told you they're not good enough portion of your brain that I'll never understand but I think it is indicative of the fact that people are angry and they just would rather stew in that anger another mic drop this is from Zach of course I want the Cardinals to make the playoffs give me more time to make food and drink be unhydrated <laughs> Cardinals make the playoffs put that on a cracker dude <laughs> hydration is so important it really is it's really crucial and I, I, we, I've been told from the younger subset of mm-hmm. our audience that that is some sort of TikTok deal, the cracker thing. Okay. Put it on a cracker, dude. <laughs> I have no idea what that means. I don't either. But I am with Zach that it does give us more time to drink beer and eat hot dogs and watch Cardinal baseball. Why wouldn't you want postseason baseball? Yep. But and it's amazing. The texts we're getting, a lot of people don't want them to make the playoffs. And here's one that for the people that don't want to make the playoffs that is interesting. For all you negative people out there, this is the perfect time to make the playoffs. One game against the Dodgers at L.A. will expose just how far apart these teams are and motivate the front office. And hey, you never know. 12 and 21. 12 and 21. I love it. But here, Randy, is someone from the 636. I don't want them to make the playoffs because they don't have a manager who's capable of winning. Hmm. Well, teams that don't have a manager capable of winning have won the World Series before, haven't they? The the Royals, people thought Ned Yost was the worst manager in the history of the game, and he won a World Series. Here's another one, Randy, from the 314. Michelle must be hanging around John Mozeliak with that just get in the playoffs and anything can happen mentality. Let's be honest, that's not realistic. That's a loser's mentality. That's only realistic when you know your team is not a 500 team. So a loser's mentality is the one that wants to make the playoffs, and winner's mentality doesn't want to make the playoffs. Is that what you're telling me? Yeah, so... It's a loser's mentality to look at the two championships that this organization has won since 2006 and use that as a reference. We're, we're not talking about spring training. We're not talking about practice. We're talking about championships. <laughs> I don't know how you can equate championships with a loser's mentality. I don't either. I. This is it's mind blowing to me how many people don't want the Cardinals to make the playoffs. And And again, this is not just a, you know, a very loud minority. We are looking at the text line. We're getting mic drops. We're getting tweets and, you know, tweet at us at Randy Carricker at M Smallman. Make your voice heard on any platform that you choose. But I think people and this stems back, I think, to 
2019, Randy, even when the Cardinals were in the NLCS, I don't think people felt that confident about this team and about a lot. Of, and even though the team has changed since then, there's a different collection of players. I think the sentiment is the same where you don't feel that confident about the offense or you don't feel like the front office has gone out and and been aggressive enough in the moves that they've made. And for some fans, they don't want to just strive for let's get in and see what happens, even though that's what most fan bases are thinking. That's what most organizations hope for. I think that they want to feel like their team is dominant. And look at the Dodgers. How long were the Dodgers dominant? And they won one World Series championship during that run. Just because you're a dominant team does not mean that you're going to win the World Series. Or your division, by the way. Because the Los Angeles Dodgers, this year with a payroll of $267 million, are trailing the team with the best record in baseball, the San Francisco Giants, who, oh, by the way, have the 10th highest payroll, the St. Louis Cardinals have the ninth highest. The San Francisco Giants have the 10th highest payroll, and they have more wins than any other team in baseball. So really, Dodger fans, if we're going to use that logic, should be outraged that their team isn't leading their division and is only in the hunt for a playoff spot at the moment. And I believe in 2015, the Cardinals won, what, 100 games? Yeah. And they got bounced early by the, the Cubs in the postseason. Yeah. So you pre- felt pretty good about that team. And just because you have a strong team does not mean you're going to win the World Series. The best team that the Cardinals have ever had, in my opinion, was the 4 team that won 105 games. They did go to the World Series and got swept. That's right. So that's the whole point is that you can have a dominant team that gets to the World Series and still lose. Or you can have a team that surges at the right time, gets hot at the right time, somehow falls into it and wins, which we've seen. It's a combination of both. It's a combination of skill and it's a combination of luck. There always has to be a little bit of luck fall your way for you to win a championship. Right. And if you look at world championship teams, pretty much everybody in baseball will point out that it's the team that's playing best. It's not necessarily the best team. Last year, clearly, the best team won. But that doesn't always happen. Like uh, Britt Giroli told us in 2019, the the Nationals just got in and wound up winning the World Series, and they weren't better than the Dodgers or Houston. It's interesting how this sentiment, at least for me, and correct me if you feel differently, seems to only apply to the Cardinals. The year that the Blues won the Stanley Cup in 2019, they were in dead last place. Mm-hmm. And I didn't hear anybody when the Blues were getting hot and turning things around and surging towards the playoffs saying, well, I don't want them to make the playoffs because they were in dead last place. They don't deserve to get in the no. playoffs. They don't deserve to win a Stanley Cup because of all of the, the playoff heartache that we've dealt with before. This team isn't built to win. They thought differently about it. And maybe that's because they hadn't won before. So the entitlement mm-hmm. factor has not settled in with the yeah. with the Blues fans at all. But I, I don't know. I just I can't understand not wanting to put your team in a position to win. Well, I do think that there is a segment of sports fandom. And in December and January of that year, my timeline on Twitter was filled with fire Doug Armstrong. And now it doesn't matter what John Mosella that those people have their narrative that Mo Mo equals bad. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't matter what the team does, those people won't be happy, and it'll only be for a couple of days until John Mozeliak is fired. From the 314, all of these people that are saying they don't want to make the playoffs are going to be cheering their behinds off when we make the playoffs. And if the Cardinals win the World Series, they're going to say, see, I told you so. All we had to do was make the playoffs. <laughs> and that texter from the 314 is absolutely right. That's today's big thing on 101 ESPN. Thanks so much for your text. We do appreciate it. Coming up, you're killing me, Smalls. 
We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. And it is time for... You're killing me, Smalls. It seems like the theme of today's show has been unsatisfied fan bases. Mm-hmm. We've been talking a lot today about whether Cardinals fans even want their team to make the playoffs. So let's pivot from Cardinals fans, Randy, to USC Trojan fans. USC fired their head football coach, Clay Helton, yesterday, just two days after they fell 42-28. to 28. They were a double-digit favorite at home, but they lost to Stanford. Clay Helton was just two games into his seventh season as the Trojans head coach. He was 46-24 and 24 in his seventh season. They were six and two in his last eight games. I'm actually kind of surprised that he had that long of a leash at USC. Their cornerbacks coach, Dante Williams, is going to serve as the interim coach, and a lot of people are looking at this as a very pivotal hire, not only for USC and the future of their football program, but for the Pac-12 as well, because a lot of the success of the Pac-12 stems from USC, and I know that that's not fair when you have other programs there, Chip Kelly at UCLA, Oregon with a big win this weekend, but just like Texas in the Big 12, soon to be SEC, and just like Alabama or just like Ohio State in the Big 10, there is that one program that will always have a little bit more prominence. And so it's really important that USC gets this higher right. It really is. And like a lot of things, you never know. Back in 2002, I believe it was, they offered the job to Dennis Erickson, offered the job to Mike Bellotti at Oregon, offered the job to Mike Riley at Oregon State. All three of those guys turned them down, and they turned to their fourth choice, who wound up being Pete Carroll, who was a dynasty coach for them. So people might say, well, that's not the right choice, and it might be, although to me, Part of making the right choice this time at SC is to win the press conference. I do think that after missing out on Kiffin, an assistant who they promoted, and granted, he had been a head coach before with the Raiders, but then Sarkeesian gets promoted, an assistant. Helton gets promoted, an assistant. They, they miss out on hiring at Orgeron, who had been their interim, and they probably should have given the job to. And missing with uh, with Helton, I think it's really important for them to get a guy with head coaching experience that the fan base there can get excited about. Agreed. And it seems like we, we spoke to Lars Newbar earlier in the show, who is a USC alum, and he mentioned Luke Fickle as an opportunity or as a potential candidate there. And I would think that if USC has the opportunity to go out there and get Luke Fickle, he would be a great hire for them. Luke Fickle was James Laurinaitis linebackers coach at Ohio State. He's an Ohio State grad and Ryan Day isn't going anywhere. And he's not in a power five. So if you're Luke Fickle and you have a chance to get one of the blue blood jobs, to me, you take it. And not only that, USC is in such a vulnerable and precarious position. And he knows, obviously, with uh, Mike Bond, their AD, who hired him at Cincinnati, and they have a pre-existing relationship, that they can he can ask for essentially whatever he wants mm-hmm. from a resources standpoint, and they're probably going to give it to him because they know that this is a critical hire uh, for the future of their program and that if they really want him, that they're likely going to have to acquiesce to anything that he wants. It's early but it's looking like Chip Kelly has turned the corner at UCLA. That's right. Cristobal looks like he's turned the corner at Oregon. And if you're USC, you can't fall behind those two. And by the way, you're always threatened to lose when Herman Edwards and Arizona State have their thing going. And by all rights, USC should always win the Pac-12. They should win it every single year simply because they're a better program with more recruiting cachet than anybody else in that conference. 
And Randy, since I know you really well, and I knew that if we were going to talk about USC, that there's really only one alum from USC that you would want to hear from. No disrespect to Lars Newbar. Uh, I went to Twitter and I found the response. Matt Leiner? Not Matt Leiner. No. Um, after the Clay Helton firing, I went to Twitter and sure enough, OJ Simpson had posted something, uh, his reaction to the firing. So I wanted to share it with you, Randy. Hey, Twitter world, is yours truly. Well, I just heard that USC just fired uh, their coach. Go and have a good time somewhere, man. Good luck to you. We are SC, or hopefully we're going to finally be SC again. Take care. So glad he took the time to do that. So the juice talking about heads rolling at USC. Randy, no. No, 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 Randy. That, that, that is literally what happened with Clay Helton. And by all accounts, Clay Helton uh, was talking to some pretty sharp people about getting that thing going. And you know what? Why not? If you're Mike Bond and maybe Luke Fickle turns you down, you know what? Just go to OJ and offer him the job. He'd love to take a stab at it. Do you think USC is like, man, OJ, just stop posting about us, please? Probably. It's like a knife to the heart right. as far as they're concerned. Emily transition. You're killing me, Smalls. So uh, Monday Night Football, first Monday Night Football game of the season. Last night it was a crazy game with the Raiders beating the Ravens 33-27. to And a lot of people locked into Monday Night Football anyway, but especially when you have Peyton and Eli Manning having their first broadcast on ESPN2. It was uh, a really interesting wrinkle to ESPN's coverage of Monday Night Football. The number one team of Steve Levy, Brian Greasy, and Lewis Riddick were on the main broadcast. Peyton and Eli, a second option for viewers there. And they had a lot of big name guests during the broadcast. Ray Lewis joined them, Russell Wilson. Um, I'm missing a third, but Charles Barkley joined them Mm -hmm. at the beginning of the show. And they went... Travis Kelsey was Travis Kelsey, thank you. That was the other one. And they were asking Charles Barkley about different players that he played with in his era of the NBA and how they would translate to the NFL. Charles, what position would Michael Jordan play if he played in the NFL? Tight end... Uh, tight end, because you know he's about six six. He wants the block. About uh, wait, hey, listen, there's plenty of good good tight ends who in the Hall of Fame who can't block. (laughs) Your job is to catch the ball if you're a tight end. Stop it, receivers. They're receivers. About Larry Bird. About Bird. Uh, no, there's no place for no slow six ten guy in uh, (laughs) in the NFL. (laughs) Punter, punter. (laughs) Oh, yep, that's about it. Larry Bird is a punter. Mm-hmm. Okay, I can see that. That's about the only spot for him, though. Probably. <laughs> but I thought that the Mannings did a really good job, especially their their first time doing this. You know that they're probably studying the tape and that they're going to just get better and better as the weeks go on. But I thought for their first time that it was really entertaining. Obviously, they had so much star power there. And I am going to be really interested to see the ratings on how many people that they took away from the, yeah. the number one broadcast from ESPN. And I didn't realize they were doing this, but the number one broadcast is also on ABC mm-hmm. in addition to ESPN. But my preference, and this is with all due respect to Brian Greasy and Louis Riddick and Steve Levy. I spent the entire portion of the game that I watched listening to those guys. Why wouldn't you want to? It's like having two Super Bowl winning quarterbacks and some fun celebrity guests sitting on your couch with you analyzing the game. Yeah, it was pretty good. And Peyton, he, he went a little bit overboard trying to explain plays and put them up on the board and stuff like that. And my guess is that by next week, It'll be less hardcore football and more fun. Less X's and O's. Yeah. I will say, though, having him break down those plays 
at least the portions of it that I saw. It, you know how evolved NFL players are, especially quarterbacks. And Peyton Manning was the best at reading the line of scrimmage and and doing things of that nature. But watching him be able to to see the play and break it down with the, with such intricacy in the moment, it just shows you how cerebral he is and how mm-hmm. brilliant he was at what he did. Yeah. By the way, they also asked Charles Barkley if he had ever been booed. They, Peyton said, you've never been booed at your home field, have you? And he, Charles says, I played in Philadelphia. <laughs> <laughs> Good point. That was great. Thanks, Michelle. You got it. Coming up, the Danny Mac show at the top of the hour with BK, and we'll cross things over towards that fabulous program next as Carriker and Smallman rolls on on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Carriker and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Right, uh, question here because this does happen at the character household, and this is for Danny Mac. The Danny Mac Show coming up with BK at the top of the hour. When you hug Libby, do your dogs go crazy? Do they oh, have yeah. FOMO? Because Darby Shaw yes. has serious FOMO and barks incessantly and will jump and scratch both of us if we hug. Absolutely, yeah. That's a hundred percent. Not only bark, but as you said, uh, scratch, jump on me, mm-hmm. um, you yep. like all that. Yeah, that's protective. Yeah. And then if my kids start hitting on me because I'm hugging my wife, because mm-hmm. get off of mom, quit hugging her, then the dogs <laughs> get on them. Yeah, yeah they're and very FOMO, protective. Fear of missing out. Yeah, yeah. Is that what that is? You think, yes. or is it more about being protective of those that they know have taken care of them? I think with ours. She just wants to be involved with everything. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. And that's just, that's who the dog is. She's so spoiled. I love it, though. Yeah, it's pretty funny. So Doug it, is so spoiled. I was going to ask, is it Doug that's jumping up? No, I know you Doug, have multiple dogs, but I just feel like Doug's in the mix always. No, Doug is more, um, Doug, I think, is more out on him on, for his him himself. <laughs> He's selfish. He is selfish, Doug that dog. sees you <laughs> hugging your wife and your kids all there, and Doug's like, this is where I get to the kitchen and get what I need. Yeah, you know, see what kind of food is falling. Um, <laughs> let's see. The three-legged dog gets very, you know. That's junior, right? That's junior. He, uh, he was near death when we found him, and so he was literally just bones, and he had gotten hit by a car is where uh. we got him. And so uh, we had to amputate his leg, as I've told the story. The, the vet did. You didn't. You know, correct, Randy. We didn't, like, put it on the green egg and have dinner. Um, so, or what is what is your... The, the Traeger. The Traeger. The Traeger we yeah. yeah, we didn't do that. Um, but the, the, the vet said, yeah, he's not going to know the difference because he's so young. Mm-hmm. But he does know that we saved him, which is awesome. Wow. And he is just so loyal and loving and sleeps with our daughters every night in the bed. I mean, even though he's not supposed to go upstairs. Oh, yeah, he's he's a lovey, but he's turning into a little sausage, we think. Do you think, that's funny, three-legged sausage. Do you think that rescue dogs have an innate knowledge of that? Because I do. Our, our rescue dog is definitely more loving and more appreciative of yes. his surroundings than the dog that we got from a, a breeder. So... The one that we have from the breeder, which is Doug, mm-hmm. is definitely all about Doug. And the other two, you know, they they, they have a little understanding. Yeah. So I'm with you, Randall. I think it's a good theory. I love my dogs. I'm not real happy with my cat right now, though. Why? Well, 
uh, Popo's been uh, taking potties on a lot of things. Oh, not yeah. great. Mm. Yeah. Isn't not that great. what cats are supposed to do? I mean, their main objective is to go to the bathroom inside the house. Right. You have a little kitty litter and, right. you know. Now, number two is going fine. That We have no <laughs> problems with number two. It's just number one right now, the potty issue. Marking the territory. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Dan, yeah. As a, as a, a great fan. talk. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Michelle and I asked the question this morning, and we've got a ton of response from people throughout the course of the morning. Would you rather the Cardinals make the playoffs or miss the playoffs? And would you say it's a bit about 50-50? What? Yes. Why do people want to miss the playoffs? Because they don't want a team to be re- rewarded for mediocrity, and they think that if the Cardinals make the playoffs that it will uh, somehow get the front office to to stay pat uh, or not be as aggressive and I don't see that. I don't Randy and I don't either, but it's been really um an interesting look into how I would say at least 50% of mm-hmm. our audience today feels about this team. I can tell you right now um the front office is already thinking of 2022. Now you stay in the moment obviously for 21 and you're saying, "Hey, we want to get in." Of course you want to get in. Um because you never know what happens. I mean, you really never know what's going to happen. 06, 11, we've seen it before. And I'm not by any means comparing those teams to this team. Um, but the eye towards 22 would be a lot of money coming off the books, and they realize it, and there's deficiencies with this team. Um, and as much as they need offense, and I do think that there needs to be another bat in this lineup somewhere, whether it's at shortstop or whatever they do, um, if this season taught us anything, I was thinking about this uh Last night, as I read, I, I went and looked back at the homestand. And so you split with the Dodgers. You win two of three against the Reds. And to me, it was kind of a microcosm of where the season has been, where the bullpen only had three walks. And if we learn mm-hmm. anything about this season is that you have to find people that are throwing strikes. And so I think the emphasis of this offseason, in addition to a bat, is making sure that you are covered with strike throwers and yeah. with your starting pitching. They Agreed. just were not covered this year. No. And I thought they were. I, I, I'm the first to admit I was wrong. I thought going into the season, boy, if somebody went down, they'd have enough starting pitching. And they didn't. Now, it's it's improved with Happ and Lester. I think they've gotten the most out of them they could possibly hope for. But you've got to cut down on the strikes, and you've got to be covered with your pitching. Let me toss this one point out there as well. I do think they want to get into the playoffs. Yes. When we talk about the Cardinals because of talent not having a chance, keep this in mind. A team that had Chris Carpenter, Scott Rowland, Jim Edmonds, Albert Pujols, won an NLCS and Jeff Supon was the MVP. Mm -hmm. One World Series and David Eckstein was the MVP. Right. You never know. You you never know. And, you know, if, if I'm the Dodgers... With as loaded up as I am, and the fact that I've wasted so much money now on Trevor Bauer, mm-hmm. and I've, I'm now going to pay for Max Scherzer. They don't have to pay for it now, but they're going to pay for it down the road. And I'm paying for Trey Turner and may have to pay for it down the road and Corey Seager. I've invested so much into this team. And again, they can afford it because of the TV deal. But I don't want to go into a one-game playoff because anything can happen. I mean, Max Scherzer could be off that day, uh-huh. as great as he's mm-hmm. been. You just don't know. And that's the beauty of just getting in and seeing what happens. Well, and I'm kind of surprised that so many fans wouldn't want the Cardinals to get in because I think a lot of people look at 2011 specifically and say, that's the best ride I've ever been on. And don't you want to get into that moment and see who the David Freeze could be to see who rises to the occasion? I would. Even if you don't feel great about the team right now, how many people felt that great about the 2011 team entering the playoffs? Mm -hmm. That's when opportunities are presented for people to become who we eventually know them to be. Like, we're getting ready to celebrate the 10-year anniversary of that team. Without the Cardinals making the playoffs, David Freeze wouldn't have the 
opportunity to be the person that he is in Cardinal history. I, I just think um, somebody asked me yesterday, do you think the Cardinals make it in? And I said, I think we know this time next week, a week from yesterday. So you've got two more with the Mets, and then you've got your head-to-head with the Padres. And it'll be fascinating to see how Milwaukee plays out the final, what is it, seven games with the Cardinals. Mm-hmm. So, And then you've got the Cubs, and they're playing better, but you should, if you're a team that gets in and you've got something on the line, you should win those games, at least the majority of them. Um, and maybe that's the way they get in. You know, I think it's, what is it, six or seven with the Cubs? So maybe you seven. win, you know, you go five and two there, and you play 500 or around 500 against Milwaukee, and that gets you in. It might be enough, but I think, though, uh, this next week is what defines maybe your season. And I went through the next couple of weeks, and the way things stand right now, Adam Wainwright's turn would be for the wild card game. Is that right? Yep. That's awesome. And you feel so pretty you, good about that. So you kept him. Oh yeah. So you kept him on turn this weekend with the off day, mm-hmm. right? So right. I think, and I said this during the broadcast last night. So you're going to have the 2011 team in the house, uh, and Wainwright on Saturday night against the Padres. That would be his next start, even with the off day. That's awesome. That is awesome. I mean, yeah. that that makes it a lot of fun. And the last time they had a reunion, it was he and Yachty doing their thing, and he went the distance yep. against the Marlins on a Saturday night. So um, I still think, too, by the way, I keep trumping this, and if it ended today, he's not going to win the Cy Young. He needs to be in the conversation. But his success will have a direct effect and coincide on what the Cardinals do in getting into the playoffs. So he's on the mound last night. You win. He has six scoreless innings. He's going to have another start on Saturday, head-to-head with the Padres. I think before it's all said and done, he's going to have a shot at winning the Cy Young. Now, are the national voters and the national people that cover the game taking a hard look like we are at Adam Wainwright? Probably not. But if they start looking at it even further, innings pitched, ERA, opponent average against, take the wins out of it all the intangible things that we talk about with analytics, he's right there with with the best. And I think for all the great years that people like Zach Wheeler have had and Urias and Bueller, I think the Max Scherzer narrative train is on the tracks. Totally. And it should be. He's got an 0.88 with the Dodgers. Yes. But I I would be surprised if Scherzer didn't win another Cy Young this year. And they've won every game he started. So I think that's eight now that he started for the Dodgers. I'm with you. I think that the national narrative... It does get that train rolling. And he's a big name. He's a future Hall of Famer. There's 3,000 strikeouts. He might win his fourth Cy Young. Yeah. Who do we got coming up on the Danny Mac Show with BK? You know, Randall, uh, that is a good question. (laughs) Now, I will say this. They they say that I ask probing, tough questions. Randy Carricker is the furthest thing from a softball thrower. This, This is a probing question because as much as I should know, I'm not positive. Now, I I do know this. We have Terry Collins coming up, the former Mets manager, uh, but I'm not sure if that's today or tomorrow. Okay. One of the neatest things, and I want to ask about this, and I talked to him in spring training about it when he was still the manager of the Mets. I still think, even though it went against the Cardinals, and yes, there was a fair ball hit against Johan Santana, Mm -hmm. was the no-hitter that he threw against the Cardinals. And I asked Terry the next year, and remember Santana had all these injuries to his shoulder. He's a great pitcher, Cy Young Award winner. I said, was that the hardest game you've had? And before I could even get it out, he said, yes. <laughs> he said, it was so hard because I was—I don't want to ruin a guy's career. Does this ruin him going down the line? 
Um, we still have him under contract for another year or two, whatever it was. But I remember the shots that we had, and Terry Collins had tears in his eyes managing that game. Wow. He was so emotional about what was happening. And it was a great moment. It was yeah. a great baseball moment. Did he throw 147 moment. pitches in that game? It, it was, was something crazy. Right around 140. Maybe yeah. 136. I know Bud Smith, I was looking the other day, he was 134. And maybe it was like 128, 127, or 136 or something like that with Santana. And he was never the same after that. Never the same. And I remember saying it during the game. I said, I, I, how do you tell a guy that's had this great career? And he's already he, he already signed the contract that's life-changing for generations. So it's mm-hmm. not like your Bud Smith scenario where he's a young guy. How do you take him out of that game? You can't. you know. And he made baseball history. It was pretty awesome. Do you have it in front of you? 134. 134. Yeah. So which... Even at the, at that time, even before now, there's a lot. Was a lot of pitches. Yeah, he wasn't exactly Nolan Ryan, and he had been hurt a bunch, and they were just trying to get him back on the mound and healthy. So yeah, it was yeah. it was really a cool uh, a cool moment. We will be tuned into the show. You have a great one, and we'll be tuned into a Cardinal victory tonight. What do you guys think? We're playing the Mets. It's a W. Yeah. Do we have Lester going? No, uh, Woodford. 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 Uh, it's a W. Yeah, bullpen game. Kind of, but yeah, W. I don't understand. Why, I do understand, but that Mets lineup is pretty darn good, and they're just not to the level where it should be. I don't get it. The whole thing is a train wreck. That's why. It's because you have Francisco Lindor talking about uh, whether or not it was a, a rat or a raccoon. You have the thumbs down situation. You have two general managers that get suspended for being well, outside yeah. the, the the boundaries of good taste at the very least. Right? You've, they've you just got, got the owner tweeting about the team. Yeah, right. You've just got so many problems there. It just seems like a train wreck. I guess so. I, you know, I, but then you look at the names in the lineup and you go, right, yeah. Alonzo, Baez, Conforto's not had a good year, but I think he's a really good player. Obviously, Francisco Lindor. Like, man, yeah. that's, that's a, that's a, Tough lineup. It, they should be really good. It's just a mess right now. Yeah. It happens with teams, and what they need to do is get somebody in there to straighten it out. By the way, how about the crowd last night coming across the TV of the Cardinal fans? That was great, mm-hmm. wasn't it? It really yaddy, was loud. Yaddy. Yeah. Yeah, that was awesome. Even Newt Bar got uh, nude. You know what I mean? You're hearing yeah. that in New York. It's, yeah, cool. it was good. Good. Uh, great job today. Oh, by... We went long over. Yeah, we did. Oh, sorry, guys. Okay. No, no problem. You guys want to get the hell show, out of here. Not ours. Yeah, sorry to you, Dan. <laughs> okay, great. Well, you guys have good ratings. <laughs> well, this is good. There we go. <laughs> uh, our producer engineer, Emily Butcher, thank you. Thank you. And uh, Michelle, this was fun. It uh, was. See you yeah. tomorrow. We got to, to experience a lot of negativity. Yeah, we rise above it. Yeah, we do. Why were you guys, what was the negativity when you guys had a big win last night? I know. We were just asking questions. That's okay. We were positive. Yeah, Come we're on. Po- we're yeah. positive. Other yeah. people just not so high on this team. All right. Well, Wayno will join us tomorrow. For all of us, thanks to you for tuning in, texting in, and being a part of the show. Till tomorrow morning at 7. Have a great day, St. Louis. That was the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. The college football playoff committee made their decision on Sunday, and as much as I loathe the idea of Ohio State losing their way into the college football playoff, I 100% agree with OSU making it in over Bama. Nick Saban citing some hypothetical point spreads to prove his point that the tie deserve a spot in the college football playoffs holds little substance when you consider Bama's best win is over Texas. No, the committee got it right. TCU had a great season with far more ranked wins than Bama and didn't deserve to lose their spot after playing a surging Kansas State in a championship game. 
and Ohio State, while not playing some of their best ball later in the season, was still 12-0 until they came face-to-face with my Wolverines. While the college football playoff system isn't nowhere near as good as it could be, it's better than what we had. And in a few years, it will be better for all of college football. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From football to basketball to soccer and esports, we've got it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. And don't forget BetOnline for the NHL, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts. It's a well-known fact that good sleep leads to a happier life. Okay, maybe that's not a fact fact, but... Don't you just feel amazing after a great night's sleep? Like the first night back in your own bed after traveling. It's time to demand more first night back kind of sleep. Stop tossing and turning and talk with your doctor about how you can seize the night and day. And visit SeizeTheNightAndDay.com to learn more.